everybody, and welcome to the second episode of WMJD. This week's episode is Weird Music Journey, Danny. And we're calling it that because it's all about one of our all-time favorite bands, probably our all-time favorite band, actually, uh, Oingo Boingo, um, which is a band that we all started listening to back in the 80s and listened to all the way through the 90s and all the way through now and is hugely influential on all of us. Um, including me, it's one of the main reasons I chose the career I chose is uh, Oingo Boingo and the music of their lead singer, Danny Elfman, and all the film scores he composed. Um, I, I saw him doing that, and I said, that's what I want to do. Uh, knew it at a pretty young age. And all of us together just used to drive around in the car all the time listening to him, uh, listening to him in the basement of our parents' houses, listening to him in our bedroom, listening to him on our disc men as we were on the bus on the way into school, just all the time. Uh, in study hall. <laughs> Mike and I used to listen in study hall. Um, so anyway, if you don't know who Oingo Boingo is, you're going to learn uh, at least some history and definitely our history with the band. Um, they actually started as a theater troupe here in Los Angeles, where I live, uh, back in 1972. Um, they were kind of crazy, just like out, basically street performers um, and would do musical theatrical weirdness you just have to look up youtube clips and you'll see it's like uh it's like a mix of a circus and a band and kind of uh, world music and it's so many different things mixed together and it's bizarre and it's it's macabre and dark and goofy and funny and awesome and it's all those things um it was actually started by danny elfman's brother richard elfman who's a film director and uh he's an awesome guy as well and uh, Danny actually got into the band. He's uh, Richard's younger brother. He got into the band in 1974 or so. Well, the, the troupe, the Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo. Um, back when he had gone with his brother over to Europe and they played in a French group. What was the name of that? Anybody want to chime in? I'm trying to remember the French, um, the circus, something. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember either. It's but, some, yeah. somebody will Wikipedia uh, as we go. And all of a sudden they'll be like, I've got it. Um, it. I know. But, yeah. uh, they played like, uh, I think Richard and Danny both played uh, violin and percussion. And it was another kind of a street performing theater group. Um, and then Danny had also, I don't know if it was before or after that, but he had gone through Africa for a year, basically doing a musical tour, looking at different, uh, music of uh, different indigenous groups in Africa and collecting instruments, different percussion instruments and different kind of mallet instruments and other in interesting, crazy things, which you can actually hear in Oingo Boingo uh, and the Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo and his film scores. You can hear all that influence. Um, and then they became the band that we all know and love today. And you guys probably out there listening, some of you may know as well in about 1979 when they kind of, kind of dropped the theatrical side and became basically a new wave uh punk ska band um yeah they were they were definitely influenced by the uh ska revival that happened in the early 80s with madness and specials and selector mm -hmm. oh yeah um, i mean but they they decided to go in a little bit different direction but you know, they're very heavily influenced by that oh yeah for sure i mean they weren't they definitely weren't like the um the kind of uk like specials, um, you know, uh, th they weren't like, they didn't have that kind of sound. It was kind of their own thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, there were some other bands in the eighties that were doing that as well. Um, in the late seventies, early eighties in the U S but, but they had their own thing. It was kind of like 
some of the more kind of circusy elements of the Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo kind of bled through into their their ska sound mm-hmm. because it, and then later into Danny's music, like with uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure and Beetlejuice, it has that whole that that circusy mm-hmm. kind of clowns tumbling nightmare clowns <laughs> tumbling <laughs> out of a I don't know what I'm trying to say out of like let's make up something tumbling out mm-hmm. of a crazy burning van I don't know that's a cool image right yeah I mean that's pretty close yeah yeah but that's what it sounds like and it's just like oompas all over the place not oompa loompas just oompas <laughs> um although Danny did do the chocolate the chocolate factory movie that's so true. the the later one um so there were oompa loompas it all comes around uh that's definitely like when I, I I talked to my daughter and that that was the reference that she gave me. It's like weird carnival music was like her biggest thing. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. um it was on the verge of frightening yeah. but it's still fun to listen to. Yeah, what's funny is your your daughter will say it's on the verge of frightening, but for me and I think <laughs> Wes and Mike and probably you, Jim, yeah. for me it's actually comforting. Oh, um yeah, definitely. Like like that kind of stuff like the the like the Nightbreed soundtrack is still one of my favorite things to go to sleep to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's it. Oh man, that's good stuff right there. Yeah, I love putting on that soundtrack and going to sleep to it. And it's from a ho- well, basically a horror movie. It's not, it's not a terrifying movie. It's more of like a fantasy, dark, dark fantasy sort of adventure, mm-hmm. more than like a scare movie. But um, I think we were all kind of just into like kind of that dark macabre style at the time, and so it's 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 attractive in that way because like we were always kind of like our senses of humor were always tended to skew a little bit darker than, than average. And so it was kind of a a natural pull almost. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, the stuff that we used to crack up at was like, like army of darkness is like our, (laughs) our, our peak awesome movie with it when it comes to like, you know, fountains, fountains of blood shooting out of walls, you know, so much blood that it's Looney Tunes. Yeah, um, like Evil Dead 2, Dead Alive, yep. you know, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The Frighteners, um, yeah. Beetlejuice, of course, 100% oh, yeah. Beetlejuice. And like the kind of nightmarish sequences in uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, yeah. you know, with like the clown doctors mm-hmm. and, um, you know, the Francis devil <laughs> and the T Rex. <laughs> <laughs> Francis. Um, so I think we said Beetlejuice was kind of like the first movie where I was like, Oh, I really like this, the soundtrack. Like who did this? Who, who, and mm-hmm. Oh, Danny Elfman. Who's, who's he? And then, you know, like kind of led into other things. Right. I think so mm-hmm. yeah, totally. Yeah. It's kind of hard. I think that's kind of the same for me. It was either Beetlejuice or Pee Wee's big adventure. Pee Wee's big adventure when it came out was immediately like my favorite movie. It's still hugely influential to me. And actually I got to go right before everything shut down this year. I got to go to the 35th anniversary, um, celebration of Pee-wee's big adventure with Paul Rubens. And I got to meet him, uh, That's cool. which was insane because he's, he's Pee-wee and he's also Max from uh, flight of the navigator. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the robot from the ship, um, two of my favorite movies. And so it was crazy. I got to meet him and talk to him just for a few minutes and then, uh, watch the movie. And then he talked for like two and a half hours about the behind the scenes and making the movie. And he talked about Danny and um, actually, this will be something maybe we could post on one of the socials for everybody. Um, there was this awesome video they played right before Paul came out that was a – it was basically – do you guys remember in the early 80s, in the mid-80s, when MTV used to go to movie premieres and, like, do the red carpet? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was, like, Mark Goodman from MTV, who still is on the SiriusXM 80s channel. He's awesome on there. Um it was him interviewing everybody, but they actually turned the whole thing over to Paul Rubens as Pee Wee. 
And he was running around interviewing everybody. And he's interviewing everybody. I mean, he interviews like Tom Hanks and like Mr. T is there um, (laughs) because of his his cereal, of course. Um, (laughs) And I pity the fool. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Pee wee. Yes, Mr. Breakfast. Could I have some more Mr. T cereal? Okay. (laughs) Um, So. it was awesome, but we should post it. I think it's on YouTube. It's the whole red carpet thing. And Danny and the guitarist, Danny Elfman and the guitarist from Oingo Boingo are there. And they actually talked to him for like, I don't know, three or four minutes. Um, Steve oh, Bartek, cool. the guitarist from Oingo Boingo, who's also Danny's orchestrator uh, on a lot of his scores. So, And they've, they've been working together since uh, the early days, right? Yeah. Steve like Bartek. I think mm-hmm. Steve was in the band in seven, starting in 74, the same time as Danny, I believe. But And I don't know if they came together because of that or if they both knew each other already, but um, to kind of get back to Oingo Boingo, Mm -hmm. which is the main goal here. uh, They actually talked on this red carpet thing. uh, They talked about the fact that they had just finished recording their newest album and they were really excited about it. And it was dead man's party. Oh, okay. Um, So they were just about to release it. Yeah. That would have been about the same time. Yeah. October 28th, I think of 85 is uh, Mm -hmm. dead man's party. But uh, what we're going to do is, uh, well, did you guys have anything to add? I mean, well, let's kind of finish the the bio here. So 79, they kind of started. They did a bunch of EPs and singles and seven inches um, to the the little chillins out there who maybe haven't heard this stuff yet, the tender lumplings. Um, (laughs) The uh, – basically, they – uh, they were doing a lot of like just trying to get discovered, do, doing a lot of radio stuff, um, playing a lot of shows. They were huge in Los Angeles. They were huge out here, completely huge. And they never really toured all that much. They were mostly a Southern California band. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had the the first EP was was that seventy nine that had Ain't This the Life and I believe so. Yes. So it was like yeah. they had that, and then a bunch of singles, and then their then they had a their first like full length album was eighty or eighty one eighty one eighty two eighty one for only a lad only lad was eighty one okay and then they just uh kind of to wrap up the bio side of stuff, they basically released albums every you know one to two to three years all the way through the eighties um with some breaks here and there as Danny became busier with film scores all the way till their last up till now uh their last uh, as of the recording of this podcast, um, uh, studio release, which was 93. Is that right? Uh, 94, I think. For Boingo Boingo. Was 94. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think so. It was 93 or 94. Uh, yeah. But um, with lots of different changes in sounds and just, you know, if you go and listen to them, which I'm sure a lot of you who are listening to us right now are going to go check them out. Um, just the, the number one word besides awesome is eclectic. Uh, oh, definitely. Within yeah. one. With one within one album, you'll hear so many different styles, uh, and I've always been a fan of that. Like I, I when I was a kid, and I, I think you guys, we were all the same. My favorite albums were always the ones that had a lot of variety on them. Like I didn't necessarily want to like hear a song on the radio and be like, "Oh, cool, let me go buy that." And then every song sounds like that song, exactly mm-hmm. the same, like, right? Yeah, you want a little bit of right. Yeah. Some are electronic, and then a little bit slower and faster and energetic. Yeah, they're they're definitely. A wide variety. Well, there's a lot of depth to a lot of their songs because, you know, on repeated listens, you start listening to different instruments or mm-hmm. different things going on in the background. Um, and so much like a really 
good, well put together piece of music. I mean, there's, there's a lot to constantly rediscover, um, you know, listening and re-listening to Oingo Boingo. So, so many layers. And like, I even listening this past week, I'll, I've heard lyrics that I don't remember hearing before. And because it's kind of like one of my other favorite bands, Mr. Bungle, there's just layer upon layer upon layer upon layer of awesome stuff going on. And like you said, you hear, like I had just noticed last night for the first time how the guitar part in, um, let's see, God, what's the song? It's from Dead Man's Party. It's a down out, down out, down out, down out, down out, down out. That's not help. It's um. Oh, that's uh, I know which one you're talking about now. What is that one? Fool's Paradise. Yeah. Fool's Paradise. Yes, Fool's Paradise. Yeah. Perfect. Thing. Yeah. Um. That keeps going through the whole song, and the guitar part is playing along with the horns, which are doing the same thing. And I always thought the guitar dropped out, but I could hear – I was listening on really good speakers last night, and I could hear the guitar kept going through the whole thing. And I was like, that's mm-hmm. crazy. Just mm-hmm. it's basically saying that's crazy that 30 years later I'm hearing layers that I hadn't heard before. And music is my job. Like I'm listening to music all day long and always hearing intricate layers, and I'm still discovering new stuff about Oingo Boingo. But – um. Did you guys have anything to add to kind of our just the the bio of the band, and then we're going to go into eventually kind of our history with the band? But did you guys have anything to add that about the story of of their history? Um, I, I mean, I would say, and we'll have to post a link to it, but uh, I would say check out their uh, the Gong Show appearance when they were the Mystic Knights. Yes, uh, what was that like seventy six or something like that? Yeah, uh-huh. and because that that was one of the first things I remember seeing like. You know, I remember being like into Oingo Boingo, but discovering that they were the Mystic Knights before that and watching that and just kind of thinking to myself, like, what would it have been like as an audience member seeing this, you know, <laughs> for the first time? Because it's so it's so out there and so different. But at the same time, then when you start digging into like what they were influenced by as far as like traveling theater troops and, and some of that that old style carnival type atmosphere it all makes sense. And then you look at it and you're like, that's genius actually. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I, I totally agree. Every time I've seen any of those performances, uh, they're incredibly cool. Like, yeah. and they blend a lot of different styles. Like they'll actually blend, uh, like classical music. And then all of a sudden stuff from like all the marimba and xylophone stuff they do. That's, you know, influenced by, um, music from Africa and from the tropics. Yeah. Uh, it's just, you know, really cool stuff and all the polyrhythms that, um, uh, sorry, I will occasionally bust out really nerdy <laughs> music terms because that's what I do all day long. Uh, polyrhythms meaning, Understandable. meaning like, uh, something like, um, uh, let me see if I can do it real quick. Like, uh, two over three is what they call it. And that's a very popular thing in, um, uh, African music. So it'll be like, you get one, let me see if I can do it with my hands real quick. Like. So one of those is going in two and the other one's going in three. And when you put them together, it makes a cool uh, rhythm. Here, you can hear it with maybe these two notes on, a, on an old 1983 synthesizer. So there's like interlocking rhythms and there's a lot of that going on, especially in um, like uh, all the the marimba stuff and xylophone stuff. I think it's marimba mostly going on in um, Gray Matter, which is an Oingo Boingo song that's... Mm got crazy stuff like that going on and it's in danny's scores as well but but yeah Wes, like the gong show thing um it's just incredible to look at that and then look at their evolution right go from that to like 
the band they were in 1995. Rock. Yeah, <laughs> you go you go from like a guy in a rocket ship costume with like smoke coming out the back of him to uh-huh. like you know um, just 94 Boingo like end of the journey type you know stuff and it's it's a wild ride. I mean, it really is. Yeah, and and because you look at some of that stuff and it's like almost progressive progressive alternative rock like some of it's almost a little bit like tool or something mm-hmm. um or like led zeppelin or or like um, oh yeah uh um what was i gonna say there was just something else i was just thinking of like um well they had some punk influence come back again but kind of newer punk yeah because um of warren fitzgerald from the vandals being in the band at that point yeah um which side note because i don't know if i'll remember to say this later but that's what got Mike and I into the Vandals in college. Okay. Oh, okay. Remember that? Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. When when Warren joined the band, I'm like, oh, let's check out the Vandals. And I'm like, oh my God, it's another awesome band. <laughs> Especially the album. What is it? Hit- Hitler Bad Vandals Good. Oh my God, yeah, that album's yeah. so awesome. <laughs> so did you guys have any more? What were you going to say, Jim? Did you guys have any more just, uh, bio stuff? I was just going to say with, with my history of it is when you start talking about their influences from the like 30s. I grew up at my grandfather's house listening to like big band and like Cab Calloway and stuff like that. So I have like an affinity for horns. So this like this music like led right into it. Like I fell, mm-hmm. fell in love Spoke with it. You. And yeah, because I like the whole aspect of that, because it's that's what they were trying to emulate. Like the older, like you said, yeah. vaudeville and yeah. big Especially band. Especially Danny. Yeah. Because I'm one of the things I think that really drew me to it as well is I was already a big Duke Ellington fan. Cause you know, mm-hmm. Wes and I started, like we said in the last episode, uh, Wes and I started in jazz band in fifth sixth or six, six, fifth or sixth, sixth grade, right? Yeah. Sixth grade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sixth grade. And I had gotten introduced to Duke Ellington at a pretty young age and Glenn yeah. Miller, uh, mostly, I mean, Oh yeah. That's the big Duke, one. <laughs> yeah. Duke Ellington is my main one. And it's because if you go back and listen to some of those, uh, thirties, especially the early thirties recordings of Duke Ellington, they mm-hmm. sound like they're directly out of like a Tim Burton, uh, nightmare scape. They're mm-hmm. really kind of spooky. Yeah. Um, and some of the old, um, Oh, what is it? There's the old, uh, Louis Armstrong. There's oh yeah. A couple of, uh, what is it? Skeletons in the closet or something like yep. that. There's mm-hmm. a Louis Armstrong song. I think it's skeletons in the closet. Super spooky. It's in that same style. Um, and actually his song that's, um, the Zat is it's Zat you Santa Claus. Z a T. Is that you that's Santa Claus? About- Yep, I was about to say that. <laughs> yeah, that song, even with the Christmas song, is like like terrifying. It's like Krampus is outside <laughs> trying to come and eat your children. Um, <laughs> as he should. That's his job now. Um, exactly. Him and what, what's the other one? Uh, uh, I can't remember the other one. Was it Pan Natal, the one from France that steals children's toes when they sleep if they've been naughty? <laughs> I don't know that one. <laughs> I don't know that one. John Malkovich will teach you about it. He did a whole thing on uh, SNL where he's reading Twas the Night Before Christmas to a bunch of kids. And oh, okay. he tells them all about the terrifying, uh, like, sort of creepy, weird, awesome, demonic uh, alter egos of Santa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm into it. Um, anything, Mike, you have anything add history-wise? Like, not with our history, but like the band's history. Uh, no, No, not really. Just wanted to point out that we all kind of watch this uh history of oingo boingo on youtube that jim found uh we'll, we'll post the link up so other people can look at it but it it, it was a definitely a lot of great information if you're a fan of the band we highly recommend it 
Yeah, yeah the, the guy who put it together did a great job. He found some crazy rare video footage, um, a few of uh, some interview things he put together, and uh, not interviews he did, but clips from old interviews, mm-hmm. and also does a good job of kind of showing you. He goes through the disc, goes through the discography, and then shows you like plays like almost like the iTunes clips of each of the songs. It's just really well done. The guy did a great job. I, I, I know there's there's not a gigantic fan base anymore to Oingo Boingo necessarily, but it should have more than 3.9k views. Like that that video is, <laughs> is excellent. Mm-hmm. So the great oh, thing yeah. is there's just so much stuff out there now on YouTube which there wasn't before, like all the B sides and rare. Rare, rare stuff, rare songs that people have found and posted. It's right. just great now. Like you can find everything, and I think they're just getting new fans every day as people yeah. discover it. And I don't know if studios or somebody. I could actually ask. I'm I'm friends with um, Johnny Vatos Hernandez from the band, the drummer. Um, I could ask him if he's been releasing this stuff or if um, if the studios where they recorded, but those demos, those early demos. I don't know where those are coming from. I mean. Usually studios keep keep a uh, they hold on to the master tapes either that or a label will, um, but some of those old demos from like seventy nine eighty it's crazy hearing those on that's another great YouTube channel if you guys want to follow it besides the um, but yeah uh, I was I was really surprised when I found it because like before it would be like some random person would record their vinyl bootleg that they have but that, now there's like an entire mm-hmm. channel devoted to all their stuff it's like all in one place yeah Oingo Boingo tapes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's an awesome yeah. channel. Oingo Boingo tapes. There's some and, awesome stuff on there. Yeah, it's crazy because one thing before we get to kind of our songs, one thing Mike just brought up, um, how because when I you know of course I'm I'm always listening to Oingo Boingo, but I was just doing a refresher the past couple of weeks of like just history and stuff like that, um, and some of the rare cuts, and I remembered like I would be like, oh, what's this one, and then I would hear it, and I'd be like, oh my god, I totally remember listening to that in like high school. So some of them, because this is, we're talking pre, pre-audio on internet. Like mm-hmm. if there was an audio clip on the internet in like 93, you would click play and then you'd be like, all right, I'm going to go make a sandwich and go on a hike. And then when I come back, it's going to play 15, 15 it can, seconds it of it. It be downloading right now. Yeah. It would play like 15 seconds of it. So um, anyway, I, uh, I definitely remember hearing some of them and I know some of them were because we would go to like vintage record stores in Peoria, you know, where we grew up. And that's where I think I found uh, the bachelor party soundtrack Mm -hmm. on LP. Yeah. And there's the two songs on there and God, but there were some of them. Like I remember hearing the alternate version of gratitude, which Jim, you talked about is on Beverly Hills. Yeah. It has a different, has different lyrics, kind of extra verse in there, I think. Yeah. But I didn't get that until recently. And like the spoken word thing that Danny Mm -hmm. does where he just kind of he's speaking and mm-hmm. not singing in that version. Is that the same? Does he do that on uh, the Boingo Alive version? Is that where I heard it before? I think that one's closer to the regular studio version. Okay. Then I heard it someplace else. I wonder if it was released as a single because that wasn't new to me. And I wasn't, I don't think I heard it from Beverly Hills Cop 2, unless it was just, I heard it while watching the movie mm. or something. Mm. But, um, do you guys remember what other stuff we got a hold of and when we got a hold of it? Some of the rarer stuff. I mean, back in the day, I don't remember getting a lot of rare stuff. I mean, it was kind of hard to come by at that time anyway. 
Um, I just yeah, know it, at the time I had a hard time getting hold of the farewell concert. I had to, I think, reserve the VHS copy from Suncoast and pay like thirty dollars yeah. at the time. But yeah, I've got that too on, on VHS. I should actually. I don't know if it's on still available out there on DVD it's, or Blu-ray. No, it's been out of print for a long probably, time. Probably watch it on Oof. YouTube. I'm sure. Somebody I think put that. it up. <laughs> yeah, it's it's on there. But I think there was an I think there was an exclusive song on the VHS version for some reason. Oh right, I think I saw that there, too. Maybe that. I yeah. bet you that's where maybe I heard some of the extra stuff because there was that documentary on the VHS version too. Yeah, yeah, it could be. Like a short documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, that could be where I heard some of that stuff. But uh, I remember it was probably around, it was definitely college when we started hearing like Ain't This the Life and some <sighs> of that EP stuff, right, Jim? Like you, you were talking about the EP yeah, earlier. I, I got that from our mutual friend, Randy, uh, that you guys went to high school with. And I, I, I met him in college, but he mm-hmm. got it at like a flea market or something. So I actually have a copy of their first EP with the cat on the front of it. So, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's awesome. Nice. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's great. Cause, yeah. Because I, I, I think I was talking to Wes. I said, I, I found that on like YouTube and someone mm-hmm. had it. But I mean, I've had it forever. I I listened to it, and then and then, Dead Man's Party is the only other one that I have on vinyl. But yeah, but that's that's pretty cool to have. I want to say early, yeah. Early on, it felt like everything was rare, right? Because we just oh, didn't yeah. know how many albums there were. Like we we would try to look for them. Uh, we were just trying to find something stores. in in a store right. was was difficult. Yeah, especially when the band was so Southern California centric that even their distribution was kind of around here, you know, like this is where most people were buying the albums This is where the fan base was. Um, and so, and we didn't have the benefit of like going onto, uh, the internet and being able to look up their discography. Like when did we really, I kind of remember someone maybe looking it up and then printing out some web pages in early high school or mid high school. Does that make sense? I can remember going to like Musicland and Sam Goody back when they had the uh, catalog when you would, you mm-hmm. could actually special order from them. Yeah. And uh, they could look it up in their like distributor catalog to see what they could get. But um, even then, it was hard to get a hold of any of that stuff. Like I'd be lucky to grab something on cassette if they had it, you know? Right. And, and I know Mike and I were talking about this. We used to take road trips to uh, Circuit City or Barnes and Noble. And, it was kind of crazy. Circuit City ended up having this incredible collection in Peoria. That's where I bought all my um, CDs. That's where I got them all their albums on. CD. Yeah, they they had probably the best selection. I mean, as far as a, a big store. So I remember finding. Well, and it was kind of crazy. Only a lad. You, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and and when you went to like co-op records and some of the other kind of smaller boutique places, they actually didn't have the stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, no. And it was probably because the stuff was distributed by major labels, mm-hmm. like. At that time, I don't know if Universal Music Group was actually distributing the A&M records stuff they did and the IRS records. Like, I don't know if it fell under a blanket. You know, like the Only a Lad, Nothing to Fear, Good for Your mm-hmm. Soul. Um, I don't know if that stuff was getting distributed under Universal Music Group. Because if that was the case, then that stuff would have been shipped out to a place like Peoria. Where right. We grew up. But nobody bought it. We were the only people buying Oingo Boingo albums in Peoria. I'm, I'm almost certain of it. Is our group of friends? Yeah, yeah they're probably like, "Oh, these are selling. Let's, get, let's restock them." <laughs> yeah, right. And we find it again later. Like that probably happened. Yeah. That's probably true. But I remember every single time because we didn't even know we would stumble across an album, and be like, "What's mm-hmm. this one?" Like we hadn't seen it because there was no easy way to look up information about a band on the internet. Like 
it was web pages and everything were just so basic at that time. Um, and to, to look, we're talking what, 90, 92, 93, probably when we were yeah. searching for things. Yeah. I would yeah. say 93, 92 through 95. There was a probably. BBS at one point in time. I think I stumbled across that back in the day, but like we would have known about yeah. that. <laughs> I remember. Yeah. I remember being on that too. And I think there was an AOL, uh, mm-hmm. fan group as well. I think we learned some stuff on there. There might've mm-hmm. been like two or three, mm-hmm. uh, like Boingo fans or whatever. And definitely the BBSs or the BBS. But, um, the other way I found out about stuff and I don't know if you guys remember is, but I was part of the Oingo Boingo secret society. Yeah. I wanted to bring that up. That's why I thought you, yeah. I yeah. thought you got some information from that. Yeah. And I, I have to look at someplace in my house. I'm pretty sure I've got all the letters I've gotten from them. And that's, I actually got invitations to the farewell concert through that. Mm. Man. But that was our freshman year at University of Illinois. So, you know, uh, you know, we were, we were, it was 95 and uh, Mike and I were there and we got the album and everything, but we couldn't go to the concert. And I, I still have those tickets someplace. They actually look like tickets that you would use to go. And if I look out my window right now, I can see I'm, I'm right where that concert happened. Mm-hmm. It used to be a Gibson amphitheater, but now... Now it is literally, and I'm not kidding, it's Hogwarts School of Magic. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's that's Hogwarts hilarious. because that's, that's it's awesome. universal. So every time I go to the castle, because I'm a, I'm a Harry Potter nerd, of course I am. Um, mm-hmm. When I go over to the castle, I'm like, oh, I'm walking around in this awesome, crazy, magical castle where Oingo Boingo played. Like, that's insane. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that's where they did their Halloween shows a lot of the time in the past few years. Um but you can summon Danny yeah. in some of the places. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, discovering the stuff was kind of us stumbling across it at record stores and then hurrying home to listen to it. Mm-hmm. And we would sit and listen to it. Like we didn't go like skip ahead, skip ahead, skip ahead. We would sit and listen to it and open up the, the liner notes and look at everything, look at the art, look at the pictures of the band, uh, read the lyrics and, uh, just soak it in. And it was like Christmas morning every single time we did that. I mean, like, that's a perfect way to put it though, because discovering something in the wild back then was just, yeah, it was very special. Yeah. And it's like, again, you know, a lot of our podcast is going to be talking about what it was like for us growing up. And, you know, we can kind of talk about the juxtaposition with how things work today. Um, I am insanely grateful that we can go onto YouTube and find some weird performance of Oingo Boingo playing some cover song at the Whiskey A Go-Go in oh, 1983. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. incredible. But, and I would never give that up, but it's, there's some, there's a, a bit of magic that's really hard to find anymore where you walk into a store and you're like, what's this weird? Like, like when we found the weird rare LPs, we had to go to like my parents' living room to bust out the the <laughs> record player. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like we couldn't even listen to it in the car on the way home. We'd be like, oh my gosh, what what is this? Boingo Alive? What is this? Because I think we got Boingo Alive first on LP. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Because I remember I made I made uh cassettes for you guys of it. Yep. And I designed the art using clip art and PowerPoint. <laughs> and it was like I used I used it said Boingo Alive on it, and I used the clip art picture. I still have the tape, it's here in my studio where I'm sitting right now. Yeah, I have, uh, I have mine still. And it's got the the guy that's with all his organs, like a, it's sort of like a, a stick figure drawing of a guy with all his organs, like a medical drawing. <laughs> oh, somebody needs to upload that to the the social media. 
Yeah. If you've got, is that the artwork you have on yours, Mike, or? I'd have to pull it out of the closet here. I'm not sure. Okay. With the skeletons in the closet? (laughs) Somewhere in there. So, and that was another one we got early on is that skeletons in the closet greatest hits. Um, But I guess we could kind of move into the next section because all this stuff will come up. But I mean, the the discoverability, what what I wanted to kind of say about that was there was something special about going into a physical place and record stores felt like a magical place. Like you'd go in and there was just aisles and aisles of stuff to discover. Um, And sometimes you had to make the gamble. You'd be like, well, what is this? And they're not going to put it on a record player or play it for you. You just, you didn't get samples. You just got it. And you hoped it was good and it was an adventure, you know? Um, but I guess what, what we kind of wanted to do next is go into not, <laughs> I just hit the synthesizer, <laughs> uh, not, not our favorite songs because that's, I was telling the guys, I, that's impossible for me. Like this band is easily the most influential band on me. Um, so it's like picking a favorite child. Like you just can't do it. <laughs> Uh, I'm not a big fan of, of like favorites necessarily anyway, where people are like, the ship is sinking. What, what meal do you want to take off the ship with you that you'll eat forever? Like, or, you know, the desert Island, what are your desert Island movies? Like, I just don't, it's like, why that, that choice is not going to happen. So I'm not going to make it (laughs) like, if you don't have to, um, yeah, but I don't have to because also you ask me today what my favorite Oingo Boingo song is or whatever. And I might say, Oh, I'm in a, uh, I'm in a, you know, a gray matter mood. Oh, what's your favorite song tomorrow? Oh, I'm in a only makes me laugh mood. Like it'll change. So, but what we're going to do is basically we just kind of each, we didn't tell each other what we picked, but we picked about five songs to kind of just talk about. So we, you could call them highlight songs. You could call them uh, just, you know, topics we wanted to talk about songs we want to talk about, but it's just what grabbed us right now in the past week or two it has nothing to do with our actual favorites because well, at least for me personally, mm-hmm. that doesn't exist. There's, they're all at, at position number one for me. Every Oingo Boingo song. Um, so I am. I guess I'll go first, mm-hmm. right? You want me? Yeah, to- go ahead. Go for it. So the first one I wanted to uh, talk about was the song uh, "Just Another Day," which is one of my. <laughs> I'm gonna say one of my favorite songs. Aha! I'm gonna break my own rule. <laughs> um, so <laughs> no, it's. It's a song that's always stuck with me because the mood of that song is so cool. It's kind of like, it kind of has the feel of a supernatural apocalyptic hellscape, um, but mystical and magical at the same time and adventurous. I don't know. Is that, do you guys get the vibe from that song? Yeah, it's, it's on my list too. So uh, it's one of my five that I picked. <laughs> Damn it, Mike. And- <laughs> yeah. So Stop the yeah, it's kind of that same part over. <laughs> it's yeah. <laughs> it it's just the just the whole like kind of like composition of it, how it kind of like evolves throughout the song, and there and, and just the uh, the singing, the Danny singing is just amazing on it. I feel oh, like yeah, yeah, uh, and yeah, just the feel of it is just like it just feels like an essential like Oingo Boingo song. Yeah, it's it's got this mood about it, like I said, where it's not dismal. It's like an adventure through a supernatural apocalypse. Because the it's lyrics, kind of like there's, I was going to say that the the go even ahead, though there's a lot of stuff is like falling down around, there's still like hope that there's there's something for you 
after all of this. There's yes. you don't have to worry That's about. Yeah. And which is which is a lot of their lyrics. There's you know, we may be going through some stuff, but we'll get through it, and well, it'll be fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Totally, a lot of their hope is definitely a, a theme that um, is is prevalent in a lot of their music. You know, mm-hmm. there's definitely some kind of circusy, goofy songs, and then songs that are you know mm-hmm. like uh, political commentary or. Um, or social commentary, yeah. or just goofiness, like <laughs> reptiles and samurai, you know, like, um, but, but that theme of hope is definitely in there. And that's something this <laughs> planet could use a lot of right now. Um, I feel like there's not a lot of people, not a lot of people expressing hope right now. And like listening to Oingo Boingo, you're like reminded, you're like, yeah, mm-hmm. like, this is what humans are about. This is humans. <laughs> we are humans. Thank um, you, fellow humans. Puny for yourself. <laughs> How to cook humans? What? what? I'm trying to remember. We just watched that episode not too long ago. How to cook? How to cook for humans? humans. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> but and the, like like Mike was saying, the composition of it, it's got a lot of cool like. There's cool synth parts and guitar parts, and just the mood of it is um, it's an epic mood with like i said kind of a supernatural Mm -hmm. apocalyptic adventure with hope i think that nailed it you know and what would you say about it wes i think no i think that distills it down just about perfectly i mean that's in a lot of a lot of their songs kind of have that sort of feel or message to them and i think that uh yeah i mean i there's not really much more i can add to that that's just about a perfect description really yeah and did did any of you guys when do what I did and jump up off the couch with like just insane happiness and fist pump the air when you heard it in season two of Stranger Things. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh yeah. That, <laughs> that was, was pretty sweet. Yeah. yeah. I was yeah. like, oh, this is the perfect show for this. Cause that's the feel. Like yeah. the feel of Stranger Things is like, you know, terrifying alternate dimension, terrifying monsters, terrifying government people. Um but all the characters are full of so much hope in Stranger Things. Like, there's so many amazing, strong, hopeful characters. Um, and they're all fighting against, like, these massive forces of evil, uh, whether it's crazy creatures from an alternate dimension or, like I said, this, like, uh, creepy government uh, forces. Mm-hmm. Um, and hearing that song, I'm like, God, that fits the mood just perfect. And, I mean, right now, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about when I first heard mm-hmm. it. So, well, and just the Just the opening, like the the way that the song opens and then um how it starts off like it's just it, there's something about it the way it's composed that it just draws you in immediately it's like a story yeah yeah and it kind of just takes you on that journey then right the the weird music journey danny <laughs> um so i am going to hand it off to let's see we're going to do the reverse of wmjd so now we're going to jim mr j um, right? So the song, J- yeah. <laughs> are you Jim? Are you G? Are you G Y M? How do you spell your name? <laughs> no, that's my friend in college. So I can't steal that. His, he oh, he okay. went by Jim, but um, I, I really, <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> if I, which he's an Oingo Boingo fan too. And he saw that right away. That's so we bonded that we lived on the same floor. Oh, awesome. But um, uh-huh. my, my song I'm going to pick, I would say it would be gray matter. Um, like mm-hmm. I said, the oh, yeah. keyboard and the bass, the synth in there, but um, 
again, talking about hope, but I like the, the message of that song is basically that you don't have to listen to everything you're being told and you don't have to follow what everybody else is telling you to do that. You, you have the power to make your own decisions mm-hmm. and that you should think for yourself. Basically. I, I always exactly. like that message in the song. <laughs> yeah. That's actually, it's a pretty prevalent message in some of their songs actually. Yeah. Oh, I know. I, yeah. Gray matter is a big one for me on that. Um, is it's, you know, yeah, you just, you nailed it. I don't need to add anything to that. Like you nailed it. It's like, don't do, cause we were, we were like that. Like our, we were all lucky in that our parents weren't, weren't the kind of parents that told you to don't be weird and don't do that. Why are you listening to that yeah. stuff? And why are you doing like, they loved it. They're like, Oh, what's this? Like my parents loved Oingo Boingo. In fact, I mean, we could talk about this a little bit later, but my dad drove me and Mike <laughs> to see Oingo Boingo and he yeah. loved the show. He drove, he drove yeah. to Chicago to see it. I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to point that out with, since gray matter is also on my list. Um, you're going to take all of mine before I get, before it gets to me. <laughs> uh, but, uh, that was like the song that stood out to me when we went to that concert. So we went to the concert in 90, 94 in Chicago. Uh, I think it was what August, maybe. I would so think it was near Halloween. I think it was so that, already getting September maybe. So yeah. they, uh, that was their tour for the, the last album, right? Boingo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. album mm-hmm. so they play a lot of the songs off of that album but they also played a lot of classics and gray matter i think was towards the end i want to say and uh he when they brought out the marimbas that it was just amazing yeah watching I know. That live. oh god wasn't that crazy i still have my concert yeah i should have worn it today although this is an audio podcast so it doesn't matter but <laughs> i still have my concert shirt i have a, my concert shirt from that concert and it still has a boot stain on it from us being in the uh mosh pit and there, oh, was, nice. there was a chick with these big, like, um, like combat boots. This, she was awesome. Like punk rock girl with these big <laughs> combat boots on. And she was crowd surfing. And um, that pit was actually kind of fun because it wasn't a, like, let's get mangled pit. Um, and her boot, like, went into my shoulder. And the boot mark is still on my shirt, even though I wash it. It's, it's like stigmata or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember the fans being... The fans were really, everyone was really nice at that concert, even though it was like a mosh pit. Usually it's kind of violent, right? Yeah. Uh, but like people, I remember like one guy was kind of trying to protect me from like the worst of the mosh pit. Yeah. When I was at, when I was towards the front, so I wouldn't get pushed against uh, the gate and towards the front. Oh yeah. So, and I tell yeah, you, and like those kind of shows and the pits at like, um, I'm not kidding. The pits at like metal shows. It's actually kind of cool people. And like, it depends on the kind of metal, like if you're going to like fantasy metal stuff, like, um, like, uh, well, like Iron Maiden or some of the more like D and D kind of metal. When I've gone to those shows, it's the coolest group of people. And everybody's image is they're going to go to that show and they're going to get knifed in the bathroom. You know, like, (laughs) um, yeah, they're going to get like, like mugged and knifed and punched and it's going to be a nightmare. But everybody there's like, dude, how are you doing? And like, Oh, I'm just working on my new mage character, man. He's like super cool. And I'm here. Look, I'm drawing him in my trapper keeper. If, I don't know. It'd be awesome if everybody at Iron Maiden shows had trapper keepers, but, um, yeah, I went and saw dream theater uh, a couple times over the last couple of years. They were here in town and it was kind of a similar vibe with the, uh, with the audience. Yeah. It's crazy. So, right. Like, as, yeah, you don't think of that. Like there's certain, super cool. You know, there's certain shows where there'll be some crossover. Like sometimes like, uh, I haven't actually been to one and I think they just did their farewell last year anyway, but uh, like mm-hmm. Slayer shows, there'll be a mix. There'll be some people that are a little bit more hardcore, a little bit rougher 
and then the super nerdy metal people too. But most metal shows are like the coolest, most awesome nerdy people. And it's, they're actually kind of like uniting shows, but anyway, this isn't, <laughs> this episode is not about metal completely. Um, but yeah, gray matter that, that message is, mm-hmm. that's a big one for me. Um, that like, don't listen to what you're told. And oh, what I was getting back to, sorry, I kind of, I totally derailed that train, the <laughs> crazy train. Um, but our parents, we didn't have to deal with that. Like we didn't have to rebel, right? We didn't have parents to rebel from. We still, I could say we're on the rebellious or on the outside, shall I say? <laughs> another, another Oingo Boingo song. But we were, we're, we're nerdy. Like I just hesitate to call us outcasts because we were friends with so many people. Right. But kind of, kind of intellectually, um, whatever you want to call it, we were, not God, I can't say there's no good way of saying what I'm trying or saying what I'm I trying mean, to say without like, we were kind of off center, I guess, maybe a little there bit. There you go. Perfect. Like we weren't, you know, I don't, Not I don't really know, into we like the, the main popular things, but like we had our own things that we were kind of into and we were like super like into that. So yeah. Like, yeah. like we, we enjoyed mainstream stuff a hundred percent, but I wouldn't call any of us mainstream. Right. Um, we were, we were we we're punk rock new wave kids. That's the best way to put it. We we're punk rock new wave kids, and we like Scott. <laughs> and also, that's I don't a, know. That's a whole but, other um, uh, topic. <laughs> yeah, it's like a month yeah, of episodes. Yeah. Um, are did, did you uh, want to say anything else about Gray Matter, Jim? No, I don't think so. I think we we covered it. Just you guys all, all agree. I think a, a good. A good performance, which we can post, which is the Ritz live performance oh, of yeah, it, definitely. Is, is a great one to watch. All yeah, the songs in the Ritz. Yeah, the, the two marimbas playing in that. Oh my god, that's that's awesome. Once that gets to that point, it's amazing. Yeah, you can just feel their energy through the screen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, let's see. I'm playing in the wrong key. I think. <laughs> there you go. There we go. <laughs> um playing the so I can I can jump in then if you yeah. if you're done Jim. Yep. Yeah, go for it. So, um I picked uh Good for Your Soul off of the the album Good for Your Soul. I knew that so, was going to be um, one of yours. Yeah. Yep. So I um I basically I think I found this album on my own. I don't I don't know where or why I wasn't with you Dave since I know a lot of times we were going searching together. But I remember buying this one and, and it kind of was my album because I, I found it. And so and maybe that's why I attached so hard to it. Mm-hmm. And I just remember listening to it like every night, um, you know, reading along with uh, singing along with the lyrics um, and, and just just like lights out in my room, just listening with my eyes closed and just trying to pick out all the different parts of the different uh, songs. Different and you were, instruments. you were just going, my pressure. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I remember and, that, that summer. It was a summer. I think that you found it. Yeah. And the, and kind of the lyrics also kind of remind me of that. It's kind of like that, that uh, falling asleep, kind of like you're you're like laying in bed and kind of thinking and stuff. It kind of just draws me to that mm-hmm. those lyrics, um, and that that in between world you're kind of in right before you fall asleep. Yeah, that, uh, that album's got um, uh, some spookiness to it too, for sure. Mm-hmm. Some nighttime spooky vibes. 
Yeah, it's very haunting, haunting melodic. I guess like, I would call it like pictures, like um, pictures of you. Is like, mm-hmm. that, that one's really. That one, I was that just going to say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I love that song. It's like Victorian mm-hmm. horror story. And that album kind of feels like where they were like at their most crazy creative. Because mm-hmm. I guess later on, I you know found out there was all these B sides that didn't make the album. There's like mm-hmm. ten of them or something that were all like great songs too. Yeah, uh, are those on that Oingo Boingo tapes I page? So, yeah. Yes, yeah, I think most of them are. Okay, mm-hmm. I need to go. One of them was that um, the one that like the first two videos on that list that are like demos or something, right? I think so. Yeah, I think they are. Anyway, I don't want to do. Go ahead, Mike. I didn't want to derail that. Yeah. So just yeah, all the different different styles, but I think in general, like the this this album definitely has more of the haunting kind of. Uh, songs to it, I would say, than than others, and where they got more mm-hmm. melodic uh, with Danny singing, got more melodic in that in this album. Yeah, because on like the uh, first couple albums, Danny's voice is definitely firmly in the early '80s new wave style, the oh, 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 kind of yeah. bouncy like Devo. Um, <clears throat> yep. Uh, Falco, actually, it's a little bit. Some of it's a little bit like Falco's voice, like not as extreme. Falco is super extreme, mm-hmm. like like new wave if you can call it like new wave accent, <laughs> he was also Austrian, which made it extra awesome. But yeah, his voice changed to a more of a melodic, uh, definitely a more of a melodic delivery. I think it's still that sort of theatrical delivery that he's going for. And mm-hmm. it might be sort of a, a remnant of the mystic Knights time. Yeah. Is what it feels like. Right. Yeah, I think so. Um, I remember, I love the, uh, the album art on that mm-hmm. one too. On the on the, yeah, the guy like breathing fire up, up upwards or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah, and what's that song? What are the lyrics in that song say to you, Mike? What would you say? Yeah, it's so yeah, it's just kind of like that feeling that you're gonna sometimes lose control, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, right? So, there that's why I kind of feel like I'm in that dream state sometimes going to sleep, and it's like weird, like, am I dreaming or or am I awake? Uh-huh. Uh huh. Kind of like that that feeling mm-hmm. that, that you have sometimes, like waking up from a dream. Even you're like, wait, what was that real or no? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, I know. I've had some of those dreams over the summer. Actually, I've had like like these crazy like. There, I always like nightmares because I'm weird. But it was like some horrific, scary nightmares with ghosts. Tons of them this summer. Um, I'm happy about that. I I actually really have enjoyed the programming my brain has supplied <laughs> with me this summer season. It's been a great season. Um, so uh, uh, there was one of the episodes. Uh, was that? You had some good writers this season. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so uh, like super scary ghost, terrifying ghost dreams. And I, a couple of times I woke up in the middle of the night to go like, you know, get, a, get water, go to the bathroom or whatever. And I had woken up out of those dreams and I couldn't look out a window because you're still in that state of like, oh my God, it's out there. And it's going to be looking at me when I look out the window, <laughs> you know, um, which honestly, I'm a weirdo. I would be okay with that. If I looked out the window and there was like this terrifying phantom, I would just throw the sign of the horns. I'd be like, yeah, <laughs> I'm like, here's a phantom. This is awesome. Um, phantom I'd, disappears. Also be, I'd also be freaked out, but I would think it was simultaneously awesome. <laughs> but that'll be another episode is my weird ghost hunting history. <laughs> there you go. Um, uh, what else, anything else about that Mike or, or Jim or Wes about that song? 
I don't think so. I think, I think we can go yeah, on to uh, yeah, it's, it's on the good. West. Yeah, it's okay. Wes's first song. Okay, so mine's gonna be uh, not quite as um, in detail, I guess, but I just I like the song. I like the version of it, and uh, this would be uh, "Country Sweat." Oh yeah, oh, okay. is oh, one yeah. of my favorites okay. um, because like the I I've always liked the song itself, like the main version, but it's it's just a little too fast like it's just too much going on but i think uh the first time i heard boingo alive and you get to disc two and you're getting towards the end of it and it's like the second to last track is country sweat i was like wait a second this is interesting like it's completely different than anything that they've done musically up to that point right but it just for me i like the way that that song kind of fits within that sort of that mold that they've created. Mm-hmm. And it just really shows how talented the band really was that you could just switch into that sort of twangy, like country Western style almost. And yet it, it Both just styles. fits like a glove. I mean, it's just, I don't know. There's just something about that song. Just listen to it. Like the lyrics are kind of, they're okay. You know, um, I don't really disertain any sort of message from them, but um there's just something about I think it might the, have to do with superficiality. I, really like. mm-hmm. I think it Could might be, have to yeah. something okay. do something superficiality. But they did both styles. They did country and western. Um, right, right. No, it just I don't know. Like uh, musically, it's just like I was I was impressed the first time I heard it because I was like, wow, I didn't I didn't think that um, that they could do something like that. No, and I I actually think um, there's something I've noticed about the bands that are from Los Angeles and it's that a lot of them have studio musicians in them. Right. And they've played in so many different bands. So <clears throat> some of the guys in Oingo Boingo may have played on some sessions and had to do country stuff. That's uh, certainly possible. Yeah. It's like, you know, Toto, the band Toto who did, you know, uh, Africa and Rosanna, all those great songs. Um, the guitarist from Toto actually lives down the street from me, which is kind of awesome. He's one of my guitar heroes. He's actually a, a lot of the guitar stuff on uh, Michael Jackson's Thriller album oh, that's as well. Cool. Okay, not the so like the on Beat It. It's Eddie Van Halen playing the solo, but the part that's actually that's Steve oh, Lukather, okay. uh, my neighbor. He um, those guys were all studio musicians, like I said, playing on Michael Jackson albums, playing on like uh, Boz Skaggs albums. That that's for our yacht rock <laughs> episode that we'll do. In the future. Yeah, I can't wait for that. One. <laughs> yeah. When yeah, summer yeah. comes back around, we'll do a yacht rock album and talk about Michael <laughs> McDonald. <laughs> did you ever, uh, speaking of like studio musicians, did you ever see that? Uh, I think there was a documentary a couple of years ago. It might've been on Netflix called hired guns. And it was I, all oh about um, these guys that played with other bands and stuff. It was fascinating. Yeah. My, uh, I remember when that was being made because I was at one of my family guy sessions. Uh, we were at the, at Fox studios and I was at the recording studio for one of our family guy, uh, things. And, you know, the orchestra set up and all the players in the orchestra were talking about that documentary being made because some of them were interviewed for it. Some mm-hmm, of the players mm-hmm. on family guy. Yeah. Um, cause like, for instance, like, uh, I'm trying to remember so many of the players that played on family guy played on everything. Like, mm-hmm. um, God, they play, they did, they would play on everything. You'd talk to them and they're like, oh yeah, I played on a team. I played on Magnum. Um, our guitarist for family guy, um, for the orchestra, Tim may is his name. And he is Marty McFly at the enchantment under the sea dance. He's all the shredding solos. Oh, okay. oh, cool. Which is really cool. So those guys all played on everything, you know? And, um, 
I remember them talking about that being made because uh, oh, I'm going to get the name wrong. Uh, Tommy Tedesco, his son is the one who made it. Who made and Tommy Tedesco was a famous musician in L.A. Uh, session musician. But there's something about the L.A. bands. Um, you know, they all played on each other's albums and sat in on sessions because all the studios are here, all the players are here. So it just, you know, it happens. And I still learn about crazy things like, oh my gosh, so-and-so played on this album. It's like, I still learn about that stuff. Um, yeah, you could be right on that. I mean, that's certainly possible, but they, yeah, there was just something about that sound. It, it just sounded yeah. so good and it just fit perfectly in what they were going for. I, I've well, always they played liked it that live the, on yeah. the Born Go Alive album. So that was yeah. with, as far as I know, that was without any cutting or overdubs. Like they just played it like they were sitting in a room and played it and hit record. So it was basically like, it was yeah, like a con- concert fantastic. without an audience is what, the, what they were having. How they did exactly. It. Yeah. The album we're talking about is Boing Go Alive, which was a double album and um, just a really good one to listen to because it's apparently the band wanted to show what the live experience was like of seeing them without the crowd noise and the sound system being kind of weird and being in a giant amphitheater where it echoes um, really awesome album. Like you just get a real flavor for the band from that. And, um, yeah. and for me, that's one of my favorites because uh, you get to hear slightly different versions of, of their like popular songs. Oh, for sure. It was awesome. You know, that's a good like one. At the time I was like, wow, these sound slightly different. That's really cool. It's like an alternate version. And now of course you could find any of that on YouTube, but back then, you know, something like that was, was really special. Oh, you know what you said? And what I've been thinking, ha, this is hilarious. At least I think we'll have to rewind and see. No, um, that was me rewinding. I, I thought you said country skin, which is from the Nightbreed soundtrack. I, I country sweat. Yeah. I'm talking country sweat. Yeah. Country skin. Country sweat was the song in my head. Okay. So I was on the right. I was on the same page as you this entire conversation, but I was thinking about country skin, which was performed by somebody else, but was an Oingo Boingo song. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to say that that's an interesting choice, Wes, because like probably when I heard that I originally, I was like, uh, I was kind of just like anti-country at the time (laughs) completely as a genre. Mm -hmm. I like what I'd hear the country. You don't like the US, right? You're anti. You don't <laughs> get out. You commie. Because <laughs> it was like it was the popular thing in our in our area. Really, I would say yeah, in our high definitely. school. Oh, definitely. Up, Garth, right? Garth Brooks was like all the rage with all the kids. Yeah. So I'm like, well, I don't want to like that. That's the popular stuff. So I think I kind of dismissed it early on, but then I've listened to it more recently, and yeah, I can really kind of enjoy it now a lot more. And, well, yeah, and you know, you just kind of like appreciate the, the band's talent for, for yeah. adapting to something like mm-hmm. that. And it's more in the classic country style. It's more like, because I love like Johnny, it's more like Johnny Cash and less, um, you know, Brooks and Dunn. Right. Yeah. Um, maybe I would say maybe like those maybe guys, Waylon Jennings-esque or something. Yeah. It's more like yeah. the 60s, 70s country right. than the modern stuff. And nothing against Brooks and Dunn or any of these other artists. They're great. But it's just not, you know, it's not on the the, the top of our list of stuff right. we listen to. And yeah, we're, where we grew up, that stuff was... Basically, a lot of people at our high school were into the kind of the pop country uh, sort of side of things during that time. But it was it was really popular. Garth Brooks was one of the top artists mm-hmm. um, in the mm-hmm. early mid 90s. Yeah. Now I can listen to some of that stuff and appreciate it a lot more mm-hmm. where I wasn't in the, the teenage brain of trying to be counter culture. Right. Yeah. That's a great one, Wes. Super good one. Uh, and now we're back at me, right? 
Um, okay, let's see. Let me go with um I'm gonna go with because I've got I'm just trying to figure out which ones to do because there's so many, but the, the ones I kind of set aside. I'm gonna go with Glory B from Dark Side, Dark Side of the Moon <laughs> by Pink Floyd. No, from Dark at the End of the Tunnel, which is uh 1990 or 91? Yeah, 90, I believe so. I think. And again, it kind of strikes me honestly the same way that just another day does. It's got that supernatural apocalypse mystical thing, but it's still got the string of hope like Jim talked about going through the whole song. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's kind of, it seems like there's kind of like religious imagery in the lyrics. You know, what is it like drink the wine and eat the wafer? Isn't that one of the things? It's like the, the you know, Black the communion Catholic thing. Um, but there's also like, aren't there like armies of the dead in that? Like weird, like, like mystical things. I know there is in like oh, yeah. um, when the lights go out. It's um, walking blind through the burning fields. The dead brigade is on my yeah, heels. Right. Yeah. That imagery is just like, <laughs> come on. That's awesome. Um, and the sound of it is crazy. Cause it's got this dark new wave, creepy sound, but it's also upbeat at the same time. And the horn part is like that. It's, and the chorus is gives me goosebumps every single time. And that's definitely not one of their hits, but I was thinking about that. Oh, okay. I have to do this. Sorry, guys. We're still recording. Computer volume eight. You hear it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is just another day playing on Sirius XM first wave right now while we listen. Oh, There's there you your go. preview. That's this cool. is a bad preview because it's coming through my just my single mic, but huh? Here we're gonna get to the chorus, and then I'll go back to what I was saying. Here's the chorus. The universe is in our favor. <laughs> it's actually it's actually it's kind of funny because it's this just reminds me of a really good memory of like sharing music through the phone. Yeah, right. Like, and that's, this is totally <laughs> what we used so to do. Yeah. When you had um, uh, Good for Your Soul, you used to play it over the phone for me because I hadn't been over to your house to hear it yet. Yep. You're like, check out this horn part. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Or I'll turn it back down, guys. Computer <laughs> volume one. Ah, that was fortuitous. Uh, it was about, you know, 25 minutes too late, but it was great. So, that was my number one pick song. Um, not number one in order, just the first one I picked. Uh, so yeah, Glory B has that same vibe as this song and like an epic chorus where Danny really like just sings his heart out. Um, and the feel from that song has that same mystical, supernatural, apocalyptic, adventurous, hopeful, weird mishmash of stuff that gives me a good feeling. Um, and I like, like I said, the, the horn part is incredible on that one. Um, do you guys have anything to say about that song? No, I'd... yeah. Also, also a favorite of mine. Uh, not not a, not the five I picked, uh, but the um, uh, that whole album in general. I think is is one of my favorites. Yeah, that's actually what I was about to say before Danny popped in and had something to say over here. <laughs> um, but uh, what I was going to say is that album. I was thinking about this this morning before we got on here. Uh, Dark at the End of the Tunnel, I think was the first full album I bought. 
Um, I had heard all the other stuff. Oh no, actually I got the best Oboingo then dark at the end of the tunnel. They're about at the same time, but the first song I probably actually purchased was flesh and blood, which was on the ghostbusters two soundtrack, which leads you to dark at the Mm -hmm. end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. Sorry, this is going to be difficult to follow. I'm having such a stream of consciousness. Um, but that album dark at the end of the tunnel isn't is completely underrated. I think, I think it is an amazing, amazing album. Every single song is good. Uh, the vibe, the composition, the feel, the the production, the the performances, everybody nailing it. D- Danny's vocals, the horn players, the guitar. Um, and I was thinking, I was trying to think in the context of music in 1990 and why that album didn't like just take off. And 1990 is when a lot of um, late 80s, late 80s hip hop had started to really pick up. Like a lot of the most popular stuff for our age group in like, let's see, 1990 would have been seventh grade. Uh, or actually if it came out in the fall, it would have been the beginning of eighth grade, but around there, seventh and eighth grade it was a mm-hmm. lot of hip hop. It was, for um, me. yeah, you know, like t- tone low tone low, uh, run DMC, um, fresh Prince, you know, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the fresh Prince. Um, and, uh, De La Soul. And then like, uh, there was a lot of R and B, like kind of love stuff, and then like N- <laughs> I always uh, NKOTB. <laughs> I can't believe I use the acronym, um, but that's that's who they are. New Kids on the Block. Uh, Janet Jackson was huge. Uh, so that Dark at the End of the Tunnel album sonically doesn't fit in with anything that was like top twenty or top forty. It just doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't mean it's really fit awesome. into any of their previous albums either. I think that's what's really interesting about it is that it's it's kind of a tonal shift for the band at that point. Yes. You know, it, it becomes this sort of I I would describe like that and Boingo as being sort of like somber mm-hmm. melancholy mm-hmm. almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is where it gets really interesting and and maybe that's why it didn't quite take off because it sort of just evokes this when you when you sit down and listen to dark the end of the tunnel it it just sort of like for me it kind of you you're not quite sure how to to listen to it i guess when you're listening to it because it's so different but uh that's one of the things i like about it is it's just slightly not really sad but um it just it it evokes emotion somehow i guess it yeah definitely i wouldn't call it sad but it's definitely yeah evokes emotion mm-hmm. it's moody yeah moody would be a good but way yeah. it always makes it always uplifts me and makes me feel energized and excited and happy mm-hmm. but i like that moody feel and it you know there are some artists from the late 80s that did have some of that similar sound like um uh crowded house oh yeah is is at least adjacent at least adjacent to the sound from dark at the end of the tunnel mm-hmm. um there's a song god what's it called i've just been hearing it all summer long that I don't remember hearing that much when we were kids, but um, I think it's called, it's either called Mockingbird Bird or Song for the Mockingbird by um, by Crowded House. God, is it Crowded? Oh, my, I think it's Crowded House. Whoever did, um, it is Crowded House that did um, Don't Dream It's Over, right? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Somebody will fact check <laughs> us in the back, but um, I think it's from that same album. But the sonically, it's got that same kind of feel where it's like moody, but yet, fills you with emotion like a welling up of emotion but good emotion. yeah that's crowded house so but anyway thanks, thanks. oh is it okay cool is mockingbird you, as well um i don't know 
Well, while I while I finish up my statement, right. Jim can Jim can check the computers right now and see what we've got. Um, <laughs> Uh, that, that sounded like no whammies, no whammies. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Glory B. That's my song, uh, and in turn, that whole album. But Glory B, just such a really cool song, incredible song. Um, now, even though Jim is using the internet, we're going to go I back to Jay for Jim. Anyway. Um, I would. I think okay. this one goes along with our. Cutting, oh, cutting crew. crew. Okay. It's cutting That's crew. Song, Sorry. Then <laughs> cutting crew. But that the next song yeah. that I will pick will be running on a treadmill. If we're going through like moody and emotions, right. I think that one does it for me with like, especially around that age with like dating and trying to find relationships. And <laughs> I think that the message of that song kind of goes mm-hmm. along with that. Oh yeah, definitely. And how, yeah, and like it's it's kind of like mm-hmm. like he's trying to please a girl, right? Isn't that kind of the way the lyrics is? He's like trying to please somebody, and he just feels like he's right. staying in place, not getting like not getting anywhere. He keeps trying for this one person, but then yeah, so that's that's what I I get. I, that's what I get from that song, and of of course, again the bass uh-huh. on that and the synth is the, just the coolest <laughs> part of that song. I really like that. Yeah, that, that do, comes do, up, do, yeah. Do, do, do. and then you add yeah. in. Yeah, yeah, I do too. I love that. That's a great one. That would be the. I don't know if anybody else has any. You guys have anything else to say about uh, running on a treadmill? Besides, of course, the new version that Danny put out this summer. Oh yeah, yeah, we'll that have to cool. post that. I was surprised that he did that. Um, listen to it because it's kind of a it's it's not a uh, it's, it's slightly more obscure song of theirs. I would say it's really oh, good, yeah. and hearing like a fresh version of it was like. Wow, that's really cool. Like, I don't know. They didn't forget about it. Yeah, my guess is that he was inspired because of uh, that was about four or five weeks into quarantine. And he was, you know, every day is the same. So you're running on a treadmill. Yeah, definitely. Makes sense. Yeah. 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 That's kind of what I'm guessing he got Mm -hmm. inspired by with that one. Yeah. Um, Yeah, he did a really cool, eclectic, weird, warped version of it. Um, And it's just him playing all the instruments. And it's like a weird weird and weird is always a good word when I use it, (laughs) by the way, it's a weird, um, like spookier version, you know, in some ways and quirkier, Mm -hmm. which is also a word that I associate with good things. (laughs) Um, cool. So what's, uh, what's Mike's next song? So my next song is, uh, we close our eyes. Nice. From, uh, Mm -hmm. B O I N G O album. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and there's also a really good version on the, on Boingo Live, mm-hmm. um, that I also really like, and, uh, kind of my connection to that is I just really love the accordion yeah. in that song. And, uh, obviously it's just like a very nice, like, uh, relaxing kind of like ballad like song. You can just kind of like, uh, almost like chill out too. Right. And it, um, the connection of the accordion, which I don't know if you guys know, this is my my grandfather played accordion in a band. I think you told me that. Uh, okay. Yeah, cool. so like I actually at one point had one of his old accordions, but it was so kind of like broken apart that you couldn't really rescue it or use it. Um, so I was kind of always kind of like weirdly attached to that sound, and and um, another reason why I like Weird Weird Al. Oh, uh, oh yeah, <laughs> Weird Al is going to be another yeah. episode at least. Yeah. <laughs> So, the, yeah, so I just 
just I always feel like that's just kind of like my I'm just going to listen to this and just relaxing and just makes me feel good kind of song. Uh, that's a good one. And it was one that I was thinking of. And, and there's also a lot of people may know it from that's also the uh, end credit song from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the uh, the original movie. Oh, right. Yeah. Forgot about that one. But it's not it's not it's not Oingo Boingo performing it. Is it Amy Mann or something? God, who is it? Jim Jim is like the super smooth <laughs> with the uh, with the role. <laughs> um, but that's a great one, Mike. Yeah, and I love the accordion part, and it, it is kind of slowed down. Like the drum part's kind of like a a gentle pace. Um, and it again, it's hopeful. It's another one with hope. It's about we close our eyes and the world turns around again, and basically about everything's going to be okay. Yeah, and that we've got yeah everything's going to be okay. We've got each other. This is a common thread. Mm-hmm. Uh, which you wouldn't think at first, but when you listen deeply to Oingo Boingo's lyrics, a common thread is we're going to be okay. We've got each other. We've got mm-hmm. this. Um, it's, it you says know, it's uh, Susanna Hoffs. I don't know who that is, but that. Oh, that's uh, she's the lead singer from the Bangles. Oh, there you go. <laughs> she's the, well, there's two lead singers from the bank. She's the main lead singer. There's two lead singers from the Bangles, but she's the one who sang, uh, uh, walk like an Egyptian. Oh, She's okay, the main one yeah. in that video. I'm, I'm a go, I'm a Go Go's fan, so I don't yeah. like the Bangles as much. So, <laughs> oh, you, my friend, uh, my friend Dan is is friends with uh, Su- uh with uh, Susanna and does stuff with her once in a while. Plays okay. live with her. She's actually super hilarious and awesome to follow on Twitter. In fact, like a couple weeks ago, she's like, "Guys, actually, Saturday is my fun day." <laughs> It's like Sunday is my fun day or whatever. Yeah, yeah. She's like, guys, it's actually Saturday. Sorry. You know that Prince wrote that song? Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Prince wrote Manic Monday. Yeah. Oh, wait. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because uh, he wrote several songs for different bands. It's like, here you go. Yeah. He worked with like uh, was Stevie Nicks as well. That um, stand back, stand back mm-hmm. in the middle of my room. He did the synth part oh, okay. in that. That's cool. Which is a really cool synth part. Um. So, uh, anything else about that? So we close our eyes, Mike. Yeah. I was just going to say like, uh, the lyrics is, you know, it just kind of like feel like you should always be present in the moment and just, you know, right. And, and just don't like get in a routine where every day is just kind of blending into each other, which it kind of feels like, I know <laughs> lately to a lot of people, uh, one day feels like the other, mm-hmm. but try to do something, you know, unique or, or, or really kind of like take note of something you haven't, ha- you haven't seen before, or haven't done before, even if it's just in your house. Definitely. Uh, and that's my life. We've all talked about this with the current state of everything. That's what we've all been trying to do is be mindful and present and, you know, not take things for granted. Don't get lost in the past. Don't get lost in the future, you know, enjoy the past and enjoy thinking about the future, but don't get lost in them, you know, stay here. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> there's your, there's your <laughs> metaphysical <laughs> advice for the week. Um, <laughs> Everybody get your dream catchers out and grab an amethyst and pray to, let's see, Cthulhu. He's a good one to pray to, right? Um, you want to be in his favor. I'll tell you that. He will mess <laughs> you up. Side, so you, yeah. you probably should pray. He, he's an unspeakable <laughs> horror and he'll turn your hair white and stuff. He, she, I don't know if Cthulhu's a he or a she. I think he's a he. We'll find out later. We'll let you all so know later. We'll find out soon. Yeah. We're, we're going through, I think... Uh, it's just our second one, right? Third, second time, or second time yeah, through, we keep, right? We, second keep, 
We can keep cruising. We'll go to Wes's next one. Cruising, yep. Yeah, well, uh, I guess speaking of Cthulhu, then, uh, my my next one that I would want to talk about is Insanity. Nice. Because um, I think, I, I love the Boingo album, first off. Like, it's such a, maybe it hit at just the right time. But, um, again, kind of like Dark at the End of the Tunnel. It's so different, but it's, like, stylistically still Oingo Boingo, but it's just darker and different. But um, mm-hmm. I would say if you were going to, uh, at least as far as the, the late period Boingo stuff, if you were going to introduce somebody to that, to this band, I would play insanity for them because really if you, everything about that song kind of distills down what I love about the band mm-hmm. is that it's just macabre and dark and, but there's, again, it's layered, you know, it mm-hmm. starts off with that sort of, um, the, it starts off with the horns kind of slowly starting in. And then, uh, yeah, I think that's actually like a brass section from an orchestra. It's not just the horn section. Cause it's like, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's yeah. big sound. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, you, it, like it starts off with that and then it goes into, you know, like the lyrics are just kind of dark and, and bizarre. Um, but it's just, and the video with all the, like yeah, and the video going in the motion animation. Stuff. Yeah, the guy who did yeah. is the same person who did the uh, tool videos. Yeah, which, which okay. I was into at the yeah. time, so that uh, appealed to me. I'm like, oh, that's the same guy. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> I always thought I always thought you were a bit of a tool at that time, Jim. <laughs> I'm sorry, please. I'm sorry, please forgive me. <laughs> no, a tool, a tool for good. I was, I was <laughs> what a weird. Thing. I was just going with the lyrics to insanity as well too. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing too. Like, there's so many lyrics to the song. I mean, it's 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 telling a story almost. That's what I love about the Boingo album is that almost every song on that album tells a complete story. Totally. Yeah, like Pedestrian Wolves and Change yeah. is what 16 minutes long. Yeah, yeah. Mary, Mary, Clowns of yeah. Death, like any yeah. of those. Like, um, right. yeah. Which I would love to hear, like the thirty-minute version of Change, but I don't know if that's ever <laughs> going to be discovered out there. It's but. out there someplace, unless yeah. that was with the Universal group, because um, they were talking about that fire at Universal. Where, yeah, but I think that's those were the earlier All their stuff was lost. Yeah, I I smelled that fire because I live right next to Universal Studios. Um, I smelled. I guess and you started it. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, I didn't start like, the fire. It's always been burning since the world's been like we, like we said um, on a special episode of WJMD. Dave admits, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was me, guys. I did it. No, I remember when that because we could see the black smoke from our our house and it, we could smell it, and I'm like, oh no, I'm smelling film history going up in smoke. It was like, oh, it was heartbreaking. If you absorb, you could absorb its power though. If you yeah, I did. Now I'm the now I'm the. Uh, the noir film monster. <laughs> it's my superpower. <laughs> I breathe classic films onto people. <sighs> um, so no, that would be cool if I could absorb all that energy. I love that old stuff. Um, let's just say I did. Um, <laughs> so that's a great one. Anybody else want yeah. to say anything about insanity? No. <laughs> no I, you guys I have anything I'm, else to say about it? Everyone went insane. <laughs> I, know, I think so. I threw everyone into a loop. Um, so is it me now again? Yep, we're back back to you. I think so. Okay. Yeah, we can keep flying. Um, I'm going to stick with the dark at the end of the tunnel theme and talk about another one that I wanted to pick, which is Flesh and Blood. Mm. Um, for a few reasons. One is 
I think that's the first song that I owned that I became a fan of. Like I had heard Weird Science on the radio ever since I was a little kid and all this stuff. But Flesh and Blood, like I'm a giant Ghostbusters nerd. In fact, I've got my Funko Pop, Venkman, and two Ectomobiles right here, <laughs> right next to me. Um, and I have the Funko Pop that's Mike from Stranger Things in his Ghostbusters outfit with his uh, proton pack. I'm crossing the streams, yeah. literally and figuratively. Um, so, uh, and I used to listen to that soundtrack over and over and over and over, the Ghostbusters 2 soundtrack. I had it on cassette. And I remember when I got to Flesh and Blood, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so, what a cool song. I just loved it. Um, and it's another one with kind of a cool, creepy feel. Um, but super, super, super hopeful again, you know, I'm not going to give up the ghost yeah. is the, uh, yeah. the, the chorus super hopeful, really cool horn parts. Um, you know, all those interlocking horn parts in it, the cool percussion where there's like some, uh, Congo, uh, congas and bongos in it. Mm -hmm. Um, cool bass part. Uh, it just, that one is another one where like what Wes was saying about glory B and that whole album, just the mood really strikes you. It's really mm -hmm. cool. Um, and just the delivery of Danny's vocals. He still retains that little bit of that circusy creepy thing while still being melodic in it. You know, it's like we're flesh and blood. We're flesh. You know, just yeah, like that's the best part. The, yeah. the, the <laughs> darkness. Disorder. Yeah. So I don't know. I can't say enough good stuff about that song. That's one that really got its hooks in me. And was probably one of the ones, even though I'd heard, Weird science and other things. There was just something about that song really hooked me and brought me in. I love that song. Do you guys have anything yeah, to say about it? Just like the breakdown in the middle of the song is cool. When, when they stop singing. Yeah, with the, the horns. horns. Yeah, the, mm -hmm. I love that part of the song. That's that's really cool. Yeah, and the keyboard coming in. Yeah, I like that part too. It's. I mean, that song is definitely, it's just, it's classic Oingo Boingo, really. I mean, mm -hmm. just, I can't really put it any other way. And I forgot, I was going to see where it happened in the movie because I was going to watch the movie. Um, I watched it last year. It's been a little bit. I'm trying to remember where it is. I think we we, we had discussed that. It's <sighs> when they're like getting ready to like get into the Statue of Liberty. I think when they're like talking, it's playing in the background. Yeah, when everything's going wrong, yeah, right? Yeah, like, right like, they're like the drawing. Titanic comes into dock, dock and like all this stuff is going crazy. Yeah, they're like drawing up the plans um, and what they're going to do. And yeah, I think that's where it comes in. Yeah. But again, another awesome dark song filled with hope. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think we have a theme here. Um, yeah, now that you mentioned that, I, I feel like that might might have been the first song that you played for me. I think it was. Hmm. Yeah, I think it was um, because I may have played it off that cassette. Mm -hmm. And then I remember when I bought the album, it's a different version than the Ghostbusters Two version. I think it's, it's if this. Hopefully, this makes sense. I think it's the same recording, but a different mix with some different elements. Like, I think it was recorded at the same time. Um, but obviously, I mean, Ghostbusters 2 came out in 89 mm -hmm. and the album was 90. So they probably recorded that song in 88 or 89 originally. But that's that's my next one, Flesh and Blood. Anything else from you guys about that one? No, I don't think so. That's good. No, I think mm -hmm. it's great. Okay. Jim! All right, so... You guys took two of mine, so I guess this will be my last one. But like, because <laughs> I had we close our eyes and I had flesh and blood, so I'll just go for my my. Oh, there could be only one. <laughs> so my my last one, I'm just gonna go with the off the wall, off the rails, crazy one would be Little Guns. It's like, that's nice. Just, oh, 
That was on my short list, man. On my short list. Good one. So messed up and the imagery from it. It it seems like something that would be in a like a horror movie. Like the whole thing about it. Just these tiny people attacking you. dropping napalm and it's, it's just oh, right yeah, like like yeah. the gate yeah something like that like yeah all these little yeah, totally. yeah like, the <laughs> they, they had to be listening to that song like but it could totally it could totally be uh-huh. made into a horror movie <laughs> like it would be well i i think it's actually a military industrial complex commentary as well as a goofy crazy scary song i think it's both. Oh, true yeah, yeah, yeah definitely yeah. interesting you yeah i feel from it yeah um, but they, but they want you. But yeah, and, and right. it's a ska song. So, and I, and I, I wanted to bring that up too. That basically, that Oingo Boingo got me into ska before I even knew what ska was. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like the right. whole, yeah. the horn. It's a gateway like, I, like, ska band. Like yeah. you like, yeah. like you heard that, and you're just like, these songs are awesome. And they're like, wait, other bands play this type of music. This is, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I know. I think it was that, and then like, um, Carousel by Oingo Boingo. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Mr. Bungle. Oh, Carousel right. by Mr. Bungle. Yeah. You know that super circuit ska. That's a great one, Jim. I love, love, love this song. Yeah, that's a really good choice. But that's that's kind of fit. Yeah, go ahead, Mike. That's fine. Yeah, I was just going to say that. That kind of fits my whole like uh, listening to the album, closing my eyes, and kind of just imagining that a very visual uh, person where I'm like listening to the, the lyrics and kind of turning into images in my mind. Mm-hmm. And that's a perfect song for that. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the basis for the film Small Soldiers. <laughs> it could probably make a mashup for a YouTube video. Yeah. <laughs> that. And then like the little, the, the, also the toy soldiers from uh, the Toy Story movies. Oh, right. <laughs> Running around. Those guys are awesome. Little. Amen. Um, when you go to Disneyland, uh, you go to California Adventure. They have a parade where those guys come through marching, and they're they're completely painted green. They look awesome. They look like little plastic men, and they're like like playing instruments and stuff. It's really cool. Um, man, that's a super good one. I like that for all the same reasons you said too, like the ska feel, plus the kind of twisted carnival feel, and danny's delivery of like they want you you yo 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 it's like super maniacal yeah definitely you know uh it's like unhinged (laughs) i like it you have pleased me with this choice (laughs) next (laughs) now do you guys have anything else to say about that one no i think that says it literal radio silence okay I can go and yeah, I can go into my next one then. Um, so yeah, you've covered other ones that I had on my list. Uh, so Gray Matter, Good for Your Soul, uh, We Close Our Eyes, and uh, Just Another Day. And then so the last one that I had on my list was um, Going Back to Dark at the End of the Tunnel, which is obviously uh, one of our favorite albums, it sounds like, is uh, Try to Believe at the End. Oh, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like my, like, feel good song i guess i would call it like uh, of all the oingo boingo songs yeah. where i can just like sing along it has like this great chorus um so many uh, like a, a great piano keyboard part uh and then and the horns are awesome in it and then of course it has my favorite accordion at the end uh-huh. um, that I like yeah. to hear too so that's a great one mike and it's also um based off of i don't know which came first i mean the movie came first but it's basically the score that Danny did for the film uh, Midnight Run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 
Yeah, which I haven't seen that movie. And it's in the credits. So. It's in it's in the end credits. <gasps> Try to believe is in the end credits. I believe. Okay. Oh, you haven't seen Midnight Run? Mm-mm. Oh man, that's a good one. It's it's, good. it's one of my yeah. favorite movies. It's fantastic. It's uh, De Niro and Charles Grodin. I don't. Yeah, I don't know if it's on like any streaming stuff at all. Um, I, I haven't like seen I it on, on our Amazon Fire Stick the other day, and I think it it popped up because Miriam hasn't seen it either, and I want to show it to her. I I love that movie. It's like one of the best buddy cop movies from the eighties. Yeah, I have I a mean, copy on Laserdisc somehow nice. from nice. <laughs> way back. Yeah, because when I was working at Suncoast, um, we had a customer that. Uh, he would buy laser discs all the time and then DVD came out. And so he was buying the DVDs he's like, I got all these laser discs. I don't know what to do with them. I'm like, dude, I'll take them. And uh, like that was in there with a bunch of other stuff. And then I got a player shortly after that. But isn't that a yeah. weird thing? Like all four of us have that in our instincts when people are like, what am I gonna, what am I going to do with this generation one Optimus prime? I'm like, Oh, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> like, we had those instincts way back. Right. I mean, I'm looking at my Generation 1 Optimus Prime right now. He's on the shelf. He's my original, though. I didn't get him from somebody else. Um, We're all like Homer Simpson with the 10-foot hoagie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'll give it a good home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, that's a great pick, Mike. I love that song. And again, it it's like the last song on the album. Super uplifting and hopeful. Wait, you, know? you know what? Actually, thinking about that, I've never made this connection now, but I wonder if the reason why that song is so upbeat and hopeful. You look at the title of the album, dark, the end of the tunnel. Does that song represent the light at the end of the tunnel? Is that why it's so uplifting then compared to the rest of the album? Again, man, I'm getting out my dream catchers and amethysts. I think I've never really, I've never really thought about it until now, but like that totally makes sense as to, Oh, I totally, it's totally Mm -hmm. different from the rest of the album. And then it's like, wait a second, that is the light at the end of the tunnel. Cause like you said, you know, it kind of perks you up and makes you feel a little bit better. So yeah, and people... The more you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they they used to put... I, I'm, I know people still put thought into it now, but bands really used to put a lot of thought into album titles, album art, uh, song titles, and the order was a big deal. Oh, right. The mm-hmm. track order was a big deal. because yeah, you don't really get that anymore. No. And albums are kind of going away. I still make them. I, I I do singles, but I love making albums because I like having an entire concept um, and exploring it through like 10 tracks. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that you're onto something with that, Wes. I mean, that makes sense, especially lyrically. It, I mean, I never thought about it until now, but I think that's totally the idea behind it. Right. And Out of Control, which is on the same album, is a, another hopeful song that's all about um, uh, teen, teenage depression. Oh, and right. Danny's yeah. like, did that I song read that too yeah it's to reach out to people like like there is you know there's a lot of hope on that album you know and long breakdown is like is like kind of a depressing like oh everything is bad right now i'm in the middle of a long breakdown but then you get picked up after long breakdown cuz you just look at all mm-hmm. back into the hope you look at all the titles of the songs and now that i'm looking at it together yeah like the lights go out at the beginning when the lights go out. Yeah. And then it goes Mm -hmm. right to know, then you run away and then, yeah. uh, Huh. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, You're a musicologist there, Wes. That's awesome. (laughs) I mean, it's just kind of, it just kind of came to me. So it's, I have more respect for that album now. I mean, I did before anyway, but um, the, the construction of it, if that's, if that is indeed the case, then that's pretty brilliant. Pretty cool. Yeah. Um, should I go with my fourth? Uh, uh, it's me, isn't it? Wes, 
Yeah. Wes, Wes oh, for some reason, because yeah. Wes came up with the, uh, yeah, with yeah. the, the brilliant philosophical yeah. thing. I was like, I, it, I, lost it. I thought he was the one who just temporarily thought, oh, it was Wes's song. Go for it. No, right. Wes. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to go off of uh, probably, I think my favorite album of theirs is Boingo. So mm-hmm. I think for my next pick, I'm going to have to go with Elva- Elevator Man. Nice. Because it's just such a cool song. Um, mm-hmm. Like we're talking about how, you know, a lot of their songs are layered or, um, you know, have, have different things to them. And just the way that Elevator Man just starts off, it's it's just kind of like that. That's like a sampled voice. And it kind of, yeah. And it goes from there. Real quick. And then I want you to continue on that. But it just made reminded me. Mike and I used to joke around that it went evil man, <laughs> evil man, dead, evil man, evil yeah. man, dead. Ha. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I don't know. There's just, it's got that sort of, um, it's, it's catchy in its own way. Um, totally. you know, again, not a, uh, not a super deep song really. It's, um, you know, who's going to ride with me. I'm the elevator man. Um, ride my elevator through the shafts of your heart. you know? Um, but it's just, it's just a cool song and yeah, like cool baseline and cool horn parts. Yeah. I love that album so much. Like there's just so much, it's, it's not quite experimental. Um, but what they're doing, you can tell at that point, uh, the band's very confident in themselves and they're, um, you know, they're obviously mastering their craft. And, and so they're trying these different things. And, um, that's just, I think the product of it is, is just a, a cool song like that, that kind of, you can tell where they've just kind of added some things here and there, and then they've crafted this interesting piece of music to listen to. That's why I like it. Yeah, I love the horn part in that. The it's like kind of a like a mixed music nerd again here. What they call mixed meter, which is um, like two time signatures existing at the same time. Right, mm-hmm. like it kind of. It cycles and loops in weird ways. It's really cool. That's a great one, Wes. That's one of my favorites, too. Yeah. Again, they're all my favorite children. Right. <laughs> but that's that's awesome. Did you want... Yeah, that's a, great, that's a great choice. I also love that song. Yeah. Yeah, I remember we used to listen to that all the time. Remember, I think the first I had on Boingo, or first I had of Boingo, Mike, I think was um, that album I had on LP first, I think. I, yeah, I think you did. That sounds right. we used to listen to it in my parents' house. I remember that. And uh, God, where do all my friends go? And home again is such a good mm-hmm. song too. The whole album's amazing. It is. Yeah. And it's, it's super quick. It's like 30 minutes. So like you can just, um, like I can listen to that, like on my uh, ride into work and going home at the end of the day kind of thing. And it's like, all right, it's perfect. You know, mm-hmm. you gotta listen to home again when you're going home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, I like new generation on that one. That was one uh-huh. yeah. yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's that a, is another good horn part too. Like mm-hmm. that whole album is just full of horns. Yeah. It's, it feels like the perfect transition. It does feel like their evolution and perfect transition between dead man's party and dark at the end of the tunnel. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Like you can, you can hear that. It's basically if dead man's party is chocolate and dark at the end of the tunnel is peanut butter. Ex- Wait, we got to flip that. <laughs> Dead Man's Party has to be peanut butter, and Dark at the End of the Tunnel has to be chocolate because of chocolate, you guys. It's the same color. Um, but you put those together, and like then it's, you know, Boingo, the album in the middle, is kind of the chocolate peanut butter combo. Peanut butter it's, cups or, all day Or nuts long. and gum. Or what? 
Nuts and gum. <laughs> Nuts and gum? Remember that Simpsons reference? Oh, he was right. like, yeah, yeah. I'm a male age 18 or 35. Everyone listens to me. He describes this can. It just says nuts and gum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Simpsons is amazing. Um, that's a great one. I guess I will do my next one, which um, I had just thought of. And this is on the Solo album, S-O hyphen L-O, which is listed as a Danny Elfman album, but it's Oingo Boingo. It's just, they were having label disputes. Um, they were in between labels, so they couldn't legally re- release something under the name Oingo Boingo. So they just released it as Danny Elfman, but it's all the people from the band are playing with them. Um, and that's right now. It's funny. I can't remember the name of the song. We just said it right before. What is it? Um, uh, Go away from me. Oh, is that what yeah. it is? No, God, what's the name? What's the title? <laughs> I have to know the title of the song. It's it's go away for me, right? It's go away, isn't it? Let me look. Or is it just go away? Go away. Yeah, go away. That's the actual title. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that's just the the feel again, the feel and the mood of that song is just really cool, and it kind of sounds like um somebody lyrically. It's always struck me as okay, the world is two bananas right now. I got to go do my own thing. That's kind of how it feels to me. I don't know if you guys feel that way when you listen to it. Yeah, I could like, get I could get that feeling. Some, yeah, that makes sense. Like lyrically, I need to actually look at the detailed lyrics, but it it always gave me the feeling of like, all right, everything's too stressful, everything's too bananas. I need to go have some solitude and just do my own thing. Um, and it's just got a cool feel to it, like lots of cool synthesizers and um, again, kind of on the darker side of things, but there's still that string of hope in there. Um, that's kind of a Oh, a different cut because it's you know people may not even look for that song or find it since it's under the it's under Danny Elfman's name, but it is Oingo Boingo. Yeah, that's something to note if you're like look if you're using Spotify or something, you got to look under I think Danny Elfman to find Solo. Yeah, it's not. It won't be under Oingo Boingo. Yeah, and again, that album is S O hyphen L O, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So Solo, but um, again, their Han Solo album. <laughs> right <laughs> that that whole album is awesome yeah <laughs> zunta zunta danny <laughs> um <laughs> uh, who was that what was i gonna say i was gonna say something but nah um so just the feel of that song i like all of the synth work on that album a lot um it's really cool production, cool sounds, cool compositions, like Mike said earlier. So that's my next one. You guys have anything you guys like that one or have anything to say about it? I think it's great. Yeah. I feel like I sound like a broken record, but like, <laughs> again, they're all great picks. So mm-hmm. yeah, a great choice. Uh, it, that, that album is one that I haven't listened to as much, I think as the others. Uh, I didn't actually personally own it. Uh, so I actually had to listen to it again more recently and I'm like, Oh yeah, these songs, these are great. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like I kind of rediscovered them. Yeah. They're, I actually think they would have done better with the Oingo Boingo name on them. Um, yeah. There's songs on there. Well, gratitude's on there, mm-hmm. which they eventually released on Oingo Boingo titled albums, but like lightning and sucker for mystery That's not, is a really cool song. Yeah. Like, you know, that could have gone someplace. It's, again, a lot of their lyrical content and stuff like that was just not the same as the other popular artists in the eighties. Like they're like sucker for mysteries about like noir mysteries. It's basically like about like 
it's a, it's a murder mystery song. It's like about clue <laughs> basically or whatever. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Kind of. And, and you know, a lot of popular songs in the eighties were girl guy romance, you know, uh, prom kind of stuff like that. The stuff that made it or, or, or love songs. Like there were other songs that were about other things, but just their, their subject matter was on the quirky. Um, uh, what was the term that, that, um, West that you used earlier when we were describing like, like, you know, we're on the, on the rebellious side of life as we slightly are slightly off center, slightly yes. off center. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. Uh, was that Suzanne Vega does that song the you can find me left of center wondering about you. Um, something like that. I don't know that one. <laughs> She's talking about, you can find her on the back streets. This is a giant music podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so wasn't she one of the boss characters in street fighter two yeah <laughs> she was yeah yep yep her Climbed up the fence, stabby with yeah, the claw exactly. yeah, yeah. <laughs> i hate that one that was the hardest one she was in a band with m bison and bob um, right. bob saget bob saget <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> uh great fighter look at um so yeah, that's that's my next one. You guys uh, have anything else to say about that? No, I think that, that was good. What do you think we uh, need to jump probably now? That since uh, I think I have I, Jim and I are are done with ours. Uh, probably back to West. Oh right. Yeah, um, I mean most you guys have have done most of the other ones that I had, um, but I don't think I don't think this one was mentioned yet. Was it uh, Wake Up? It's nineteen eighty four. Ah, that's oh, good. no, that's another one that's on my short. Good. That's another one on my short list. That was, I almost, I almost picked that. Me one too. too. Yeah. Me too. Especially, yeah. especially with the current climate of our existence on yeah. our planet. hundred percent. Go ahead. Well, and that's that's kind of the thing. Um, I mean, I've always liked that song anyway because, like, again, like I didn't own. Uh, that's good for your soul, right? Yes. I didn't. I didn't have that album soul. until much later. So. Um, a lot of my early Oingo Boingo listening was from a lot of the kind of the compilation albums. So, mm-hmm. you know, you'd hear kind of the, the regular songs. So getting one of the early albums and hearing some of those B-sides almost and something different, you're like, okay, this is cool. It's totally different. But there's always been something about um, that song I've really liked. And I think originally, like when I first heard it when I was younger and I was thinking, oh, you know, it's like you know, the year 1984 or whatever. And then the older you get, then you start to make the connections between like that and Orwell and um, what the song's really talking about. Mm-hmm. And then as the years go on, then you start going back. And for me, like listening to that song, it's like, wow, you know, like it's, it's really interesting because you can interpret so many different periods of time from, from what the song is saying. And again, like you're saying, yeah, it's, it's completely relevant in 2020. I think it, yep probably just as relevant in the eighties because um, you know, a lot of stuff that um, that he's the lyrics are talking about was stuff that people were going through back then too. But now a lot more, you know, under the microscope because we're, we're living it every, every minute. So, Oh yeah. Lyrically. I mean, it just, it basically touches all the, the main tonal points of Orwell's book, 1984. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Lyrically, I, you know, when I was listening to it recently, I'm like, it's the news. Yeah. But it's also, like you're saying, like, about uh, earlier songs, like, it's also got a message of hope, though, too, and and thinking for yourself, and much like Grey Matter. Yeah, uh, I feel like those two are almost like sequels or, like, partner songs, you know? Kind of, yeah. Along Uh, with capitalism. Called Arms to Wake Up and Open Your Eyes and, uh, 
you know, uh, I, that's why I like it. I think it's just, it's really cool. That and along, uh, capitalism is kind of along the same lines. Yeah. Um, yeah. that's kind of like a parody song mm-hmm. of, of, uh, yeah, I felt like that, that song too. Uh, capitalism, you could apply it to today. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah, I'm listening to it. I'm like, wow, this, yeah. the lyrics still hit hard in yeah. 2020. It's, it's crazy. It's weird. That, it's that weird it's how many of them, there were more songs like, it wasn't just those three, which are obviously on the political slant. Um, there were others lyrically that really hit what's going on now. It's like, it shows right. you how timeless all the different challenges and struggles are. Yeah. Well, yeah. History does tend to repeat itself sometimes. So yeah. what were we going to say, Jim? Well, I think you and I actually talked about that. Dave was the nothing bad ever happens to me. Like you, you kind of just keep to yourself and don't really reach out to other people and you just keep mm. on what you're doing. And yeah, <laughs> like, um, yeah. That wasn't, wasn't weren't we reading or watching in the documentary that like uh, a lot of those early songs was basically Danny singing from the the, the lyrics were from the head the point of view at that time yeah they were from the headlines but they were also from the point of view of a person or a type of uh, something in society he was trying to parody so right. capitalism the way he's singing it is not from his point of view but it's from mm-hmm. a parody point of view right Which, uh, wake well, up well, yeah, is Danny's as far as I can tell that's the band's point of view. Is the way that yeah, that's right. a message song. It's yeah, honestly, but, it's a good message, but um, some of the other I feel ones, like the documentary was talking about that too. With um, what was the other little girls? Little I think girls, the, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people are confused about the message of that song. That's like that's not Danny Danny that, right. saying that he likes little girls. And, <laughs> <laughs> but, no, and it's like no, and it's it's about it had a very different connotation when that song came out. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of like. I always got it the the thing that it was like a Lothario, like an aging Lothario, like hitting on like college girls at a club at, when they're watching a band or something. That's just kind of the feel I got you're, from that. You're supposed to be right. You're supposed to be disgusted. Mm. Yeah, you're just like, dude, what what is wrong with yeah. this guy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always got the idea of like the classic '80s villain, like golf country club <laughs> guy, like hitting on the twenty the twenty yeah. something year younger college girl you know he's like in his 40s or 50s and then he's like hello my name's jazz or whatever and he's got like a cardigan <laughs> like, the like in the 80s movie where the college students were like in their 40s clearly right yeah <laughs> yeah or in their like 50s and 60s like rodney dangerfield and back to school that's true yeah but I, you could tell he, he you could tell he was in his 50s and 60s or 60s in that movie um <laughs> but uh that and then the other one is ain't this the life Oh, I is, love that song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a commentary along the same lines. It's kind of a commentary and a critique of consumerism, you know, and just like excess. You know, that song is all about like eating to excess, spending money to excess, like just like going bananas on everything. Well, that makes sense too, because I mean, yeah, the, the mid 80s was, was a giant boom yeah. of, of excess and extravagance. So totally right. makes sense. Right. I, I don't... And so. What was that? Just like I was saying, you don't have to worry about other people as long as, you know, you have what you need. Don't worry. Oh, with nothing bad ever happens to me. Yeah, but yeah. even with like, Yeah, cuz that song is like a guy it's like a guy hearing about terrible stuff happening and be like, "Oh, well, I'm fine." Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's that's very timely now too because they're um the world needs a little bit more empathy towards each other right now. We need to love each other and help each other out again. Dreamcatchers and amethyst. Man. <laughs> yeah. No, not the Dreamcatchers and amethyst, but yeah, we need to help each other out. Take care of each other. We're all the same mm-hmm. people. We are all hu- humans. 
Um, but uh, yeah, so that's an awesome one. And it, again, like uh, Tiny Guns, that one was mm-hmm. on my short list. Um, so I guess back to me because I've got a fifth one, right? Yeah, I think you. I think you yeah, can wrap okay. it up. Yeah. Yeah, and this is a. I think this is a good one for uh, wrapping it up. And uh, let's see, we can go. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> the my uh, the fifth one I have is Dead Man's Party. Oh, there you go. Because yep. of course, yeah, yeah of course, we have to. Um, so that song, what it does for me is it encapsulates almost the entire vibe of Oingo Boingo. Oh yeah. Because I feel like it's got vibes from all the different eras kind of thrown in there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely got the creepy, it's a spooky song, um, you know, kind of creepy, spooky, otherworldly, uh, you know, the afterlife and supernatural spookiness thing, but it's a party song with awesome horns and awesome guitar parts and awesome drums and everything. Um, and I don't know. It just, it works. It just nails it. And that's another one that's also in polyrhythm. I think it's in six, four. Um, but, and it's, a, it's like, that was, that was like basic, they're basically their biggest hit, right? Yeah, I was just going to say that's their signature. Oh yeah. Like when um, you- that and just another day did well, weird science. Which were all on the same album. Yeah. Dead weird Man's science Party. might've actually been their top charting song. Mm. But dead man's party has got to be really close behind it. Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, spoiler alert. That's the one we'll see if, uh, if they use my thing, but when I did the guest DJ thing for Sirius XM this weekend, that's the song I introed was uh dead man's party. So we'll see if they play it. Nice. Um, but I was going to bring up, uh, that, that lives to this day in our house. My wife, Heather likes to say it's a dead man's party and imagines your dog having. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I always, I still think of that too. Every time I came up with that, but yeah. Like she would have, she yeah, would have like, I think so. I think so. Cause we were, we were like, right. We would be in the, my, my dog. I had a golden retriever named Sparty. Had, I had to bring, had to bring yeah. We would like be in the backyard and point, point to the woods. Like, yeah. Point to the woods and be like, it's a dead man, Sparty. He came back yeah. with a, uh, an arm in her yeah, mouth. That means. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's their signature song, I would say. And it's like, if you go to a party on Halloween, you're going to hear it. Um, yeah. And again, all of us together, we're all gigantic nerds for Halloween and horror. And uh, so that's another reason why Oingo Boingo works so well for us. Um, and that song has so many different versions. You know, there's different recorded versions of it. Um, mm-hmm. And it still gets radio play. It still gets radio play all over the world. Um, just that's a big one for me. And it's huge here in LA. And actually, I had a band. Let's see. It was either 2000, maybe it was 2002. I played at a Halloween party out here. I had a band uh, named Partisan. Um, and uh, Derek, who you guys know, the drummer from Roscoe mm-hmm. P. Soul Train, he was in the band with me. And we did, we covered Dead Man's Party at this Halloween party. Um, oh, that's cool. And it was really fun. And we were like dressed up as devils. Like we were painted completely red and, and had like these awesome, really kind of cool looking devil horns. Um, it was, that was fun. It was like a pool party up in like North Hollywood. So <laughs> that was super fun for me. Um, but yeah, I, again, those are in no necessary order. And that doesn't mean that the other songs that we listen to, like 
they're all my favorite children. There's no, they're not my children. They're Danny's children. I love Danny's <laughs> kids. Um, like I think we said that uh, we're saying earlier um, that we we don't skip any of the songs when we play these albums. No, most of the time we just yeah that we like them all. So that's not like a few that we pick from each album to listen to and skip the rest. Yeah, well, and that's, I'm hope, that's I'm the hoping. nice thing about Boyo is that there's enough there's enough of the catalog that you can just go right through them without really having to skip a lot of them. Yeah, and we didn't like we didn't talk about a ton of stuff on Only a Lad and Nothing to Fear, um, the first two albums first two full-length albums uh although what is capitalism on nothing to fear uh no capitalism, capitalism is on, is on uh, only a lad oh is it okay yeah so we did talk about some songs on the earlier albums but um you i had nothing almost to fear in- as my favorite album so that was my notes there <laughs> mm. oh that's cool yeah nice yeah if i i i don't have a favorite album i just can't I, there's just there's no way um i don't skip anything um and again, like the yeah, I think I, I think during this um, uh, during our talk, I think I've called three different albums my favorite already. So yeah, <laughs> know, and, and then we haven't even talked about the farewell album, the the big live double album from '95. They're all favorite, and that's an incredible album. It's recorded so well. Well, the beauty of this is we'll be able to go back and do subsequent Boingo episodes, and hopefully focus on like one specific album and do some deep dives into them. I think, yeah, I think that's a good idea. I, I I definitely think we could do multiple Boingo Boingo uh, episodes, and I'm hoping that people who are listening, um, I'm super hopeful that they become fans at least of a few of the songs, if not all of them. Um, Well, it's a lot more accessible nowadays to, you know, share a video with somebody and have them check something out versus, you know, going over to their house and giving them a mixtape. Yeah, all of all of our friends from high school who are listening to the podcast are going to be like, Oh, this is that weird stuff that like Mike and <laughs> Mike and Wes and Dave were all like listening to in like photo lab or whatever, like Spanish <laughs> class. Yeah. We used to, you remember I definitely for people to listen to it in our cars when we were driving, driving people around. Right. Oh, now. definitely. And then do you remember Mike? Um, when we had homeroom, uh, with, uh, Dan Dietrich. Yeah. And uh in the mornings and we just played Oingo Boingo on the big the giant stereo in the uh in the band room. That was fun. Oh yeah. That was that was awesome. We'd do that and play like, you know, Beetlejuice and Edward Scissorhands and stuff. So we, we subjected everybody to it. And again, Mike and I were lucky. We got to see them live right before they wrapped up. That was pretty crazy. Yeah, that was that was pretty special. I'm thankful to your uh your dad for driving us up to chicago on a friday afternoon after work uh i think i think he like took off work early to pick us up from school even i think so to go up there and that was just amazing and it was at the metro in chicago <clears throat> which later on i played at i think i played at the metro i'm pretty sure i did and then he drove us back that night after a late concert i mean it had to be like out at 11, right? Oh, yeah. And, and home and back in Peoria at like 2 a.m. or something. And he loved Crazy. the show. He enjoyed it. He had a great time. He thought it was great. That's the thing. Like, we, we were all lucky to have parents that we, we were lucky. We didn't have, we really didn't have awkward childhood high school or any of that stuff because our parents were just cool with everything we did. Like, we didn't have anything to rebel against except. I don't know, authority, but we didn't have, like our parents weren't, weren't like authoritative. They were just like, you guys are cool. You guys are responsible. Have fun. Like, 
you know, we didn't have like the guy from the. For me, it was just the fact that I have three older brothers, so I really couldn't do anything that was going to shock them. <laughs> my, my, my brothers and the my two older brothers from the seventies did all that stuff for me, so they were like, "He's a good kid. We'll encourage him." <laughs> they, they supported yeah. me on what I wanted to yeah, we, do. Well, and Mike and Wes and I in high school, um, we were legitimate good friends with a mm-hmm. lot of our teachers. Yeah. You know, cause they were, they were, you know, I call them, I'm going to do finger quotes. I know it's a, an audio podcast, but they're supposed you know, they're authority figures because they're teachers, but they didn't feel like that. They all felt right. like friends. You know, well, I can remember uh, giving Mr. Prout copies of like space quest four and X wing and leisure yeah. suit Larry in math class. Right. Like, it was just bizarre, but you know, we'd be sitting there doing like a math quiz and he's over there playing X-Wing like on, on his, uh, you know, 486. Right. You know, well, so just weird. Mike and I listening to music with Dan Dietrich in the mornings and, um, you know, uh, we would talk with all of our teachers, you know, Sherry Heth and Noreen, Noreen. Anderson. Yeah. Everybody. Lots of, we were lucky. We were really lucky because I've heard so many people talk about, uh, just horror stories from grade school and high school and growing up and, or with their parents or whatever, like all four of us incredibly, incredibly lucky to have the kind of, you know, childhood and school mm-hmm. experience we did. Super lucky. I agree. So we weren't, that's why I always hesitate to use the word. Like we were rebelling. No, maybe societally on the rebellious side or like Wes said, the, you know, off center. Just, yeah, just slightly off of center, I think is how I would describe us. I mean, I think that's why we gravitated because we felt like Danny. Like when we mm-hmm. saw Danny on stage or singing or listened to his lyrics or uh, saw him in interviews, we're like, ah, that's us. Yeah, you that's know? why it resonates with us. I th- I truly think so. Yeah, I think so too. So, um, well, we've had a very long podcast, I think. Um, but I'm okay with it if you guys are. And I, yeah, it's, no, it's totally been interesting. I love it. I I could probably go for another six hours, and that's why we'll have multiple. Boingo Boingo episodes. But um this has just become the Boingo cast. Right. So, you know what? It, it almost could. <laughs> it almost could. And we would get a lot of people that would like it. We'll just make it a theme and then they'll they'll have to stick around and listen to our like My Little Pony episodes too. Um yeah, I'll be sitting that one out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, friendship is magic, man. Um you're gonna be part of the Cabbage Patch Kids one though, right? Oh god, yeah. <laughs> My mom used to run an underground uh, reselling ring in Chillicothe with those things back in the day. Really? Yeah, she would she would post uh, like um, stuff up at the Grecian Gardens restaurant, like uh, Cabbage Patch Kids for sale, and like she'd go like find them in stores and then like resell them and stuff like that. It's like it's it's that was before eBay. It was pre bay. It was pre bay. Yeah, yeah, totally pre bay. Yeah, it, that's an era in history. West, West, that explains a lot. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So trace it all back to that finite point of, you know, a there note card on a, a bulletin board at a Greek restaurant in a small town advertising a, a child's doll that everyone wants at a slight markup of 600%. That also sounds like the beginning of an episode of Friday the 13th, the, the television series, or um, Twilight Zone. Yeah. Like, oh, let's go find out what this is all about. And then the, all the dolls are cursed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the cursed crusty doll. 
it all comes back to the Simpsons. Here's the problem. Right? This thing was turned. This thing was switched to evil. Oh, yes, problem right there. Switch turned to evil. Yeah. <laughs> well, should we wrap it up, guys? Yeah, I think wrap so. it up. Um, I hope everybody had a good time with us. Just like this is this is us just hanging out, talking about our favorite stuff. Uh, Oingo Boingo being being some of that stuff. Um, and we will talk about them again. It will happen. Uh, maybe even since we're getting close to Halloween, there may be some uh, Oingo Boingo stuff that comes up. Um, Cause we definitely got to do some Halloween episodes. I think it has to be plural because of how much we love Halloween. Absolutely. Uh, oh, so yeah. anyway, I hope everybody had a good time listening to WMJD. Is that right? It is right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. <laughs> Weird music journey, Danny. This is that, uh, that's what this episode was. And, uh, we hope you guys are all having fun with us. Uh, hop on to our social media portals. Portals is a, that's a cool word, right? Portal. Our social media yeah, yeah, experience. Yeah. Um, come oh, for wow. the entire yeah. experience. Yeah, <laughs> get the get the wristband. Get your punch card so you can get your free like sub or troll doll or something. Uh, Join our secret society. Yeah, yeah like the Oingo Boingo do- Secret Society. Did we mention that? Right, that was. In the yep, podcast, yep, that came up. Yep, or yeah, the podcast. No, we mentioned it. it I podcast. couldn't remember if that because we we were talking yeah. for about an hour before we joined all of you on this recording. So there's the the B roll. Yeah, find find uh, find something from it maybe and post it if you can. Yeah, I'll see if I can find a, a letter or something like that. But um, yeah, that'd be sweet because I remember getting the letters and it, they had like a cool that that kind of uh, like the Mexican Dia de los Muertos skull was their letterhead. And it said OBSS on it, Oingo Boingo Secret Society, and had the like the Mexican like Caravana skull. It was really mm-hmm. cool. Uh, anyway, I could keep going forever and ever, but we're gonna come. Um, I hope you guys all had fun. And next episode, we have a bunch of ideas, and we don't know what's gonna be yet. So if you follow us on the social, you're gonna find out what it is. It's probably gonna be. Stay tuned. A, a it's probably gonna be a detail description of each of mr t's chains that he wore <laughs> in season three of a team uh, most likely that's what's going to be oh, mr t's comic book we're going to go over that yeah Ooh, we're going to be, be, be yeah. on mr t's cereal <laughs> from was that what it was called t-force t-force yeah yeah mr t and the t-force yeah t-force i remember the saturday morning cartoon yep that's it yeah what was that called just mr t little t's i don't know <laughs> Oh, don't be a tease. <laughs> wah, wah. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, we don't know what it's going to be about yet, but it's going to be about something awesome. I guarantee it. Even if it is Mr. T's gold chains, because they're awesome. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this. The social things are on, uh, let's see, we're on Twitter. And if, I think our tag is WMJD Retro Future. Is that what it is? Somebody with a Google machine. <laughs> I don't know. I can't, I can't find it fast enough. <laughs> I don't have it in front of me. No, I don't remember. If you look up. WM- we're, we're prepared. We're prepared for this. Yeah, we're, 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 we, did, we did a good job on our tech. <laughs> no, it's, I think it's WMJD. You'll know because one of them is going to be a real, real radio station that plays country music in Utah. And then there's us. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure. And I'm it's, not. Oh, wait, here, here, which here, one w- is this is WMJD <laughs> flashback is what you do. What you said about that. I knew I came up with a cooler name than Retro Future. I like Flashback. There you go. There I there I go. I'm going to end the podcast by patting myself on the shoulder (laughs) for a good job. Um, So, um, anyway, uh, yeah, we we don't know what it's going to be about, but follow us on there, and we'll probably announce it on there. And then we're on Facebook. And what's the easiest way for people to find us on Facebook? 
Uh, so yeah, you can just find us at uh, WMJD Cast, I believe, mm-hmm. is uh, is the Facebook page. Yeah, I think that's I think that's what it is on there. And that's yep. we don't have Instagram or anything else right now. Not right? yet. Nope. Not yet. We don't have a MySpace either. <laughs> but you can actually reach out to us on any of those, and we will get back to you. Um, especially if you've got Cabbage Patch dolls for sale, we will pop <laughs> on that immediately. Um, actually, they're worth a lot right now. I bet we already sold all of ours on the black market. Right. Did you actually have Heather some? Ditch. We we sold all of them. That was back when we needed. We were That's crazy. Needed money when we were newly married. <laughs> Quick tangent before we go. I've actually been wanting to go on uh, eBay and get like a Teddy Ruxpin, and I want to um, I want to circuit bend it. Like I want to hack it and do weird there weird stuff. Oh yeah, that's like make an entire album of synthesizer music using a the voice synthesizer from a Teddy Ruxpin. <laughs> That'd be great. It'd be a good thing to do for Halloween. Terrify everybody. <laughs> Let's be friends. Um, okay, that's it. <laughs> uh, I hope everybody's having an awesome weekend. It is the holiday weekend, even though you're going to be hearing it after the holiday weekend, but. Hope everybody's doing well out there. Thanks for joining us again. And we will see you guys all next time. Everybody say bye. Bye. See you later. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks for listening.